Hey everybody, we love having great advertisers support our show, but in order to continue doing that, we need your help. So please go to podsurvey.com slash test and take a quick anonymous survey that'll help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show our advertisers how great our listeners are, and even if you've taken our show's podcast listener survey before, the current one is new and different, so I'd really love for you to take it all again. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash test, T-E-S-T. Thanks for your help, and now on with the show. For Thursday, March 2nd, 2017, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Right. Look at that fucking squirrel on my bird feeder. And then suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge. Oh, hey, we didn't see you there, Will Smith, special guest of the podcast, co-founder of Tested, alum of This Is Only a Test. Hey, everybody, it's Will. What up? Jeremy Williams, you played my special song. Do you, you do this every week now, just to haunt it Norman, It only sir. gets played when you are here, my friend. Wow, I have a theme song. We have three versions of the intro. And Fancy. That is by far my least favorite one. <laughs> For what, so many reasons. Whatever happened to that fucking squirrel on that bird feeder? The, so uh, we it's had to move. The, we moved the bird feeder four feet further from the fence so that he couldn't jump six feet from the fence to the to the bird feeder. And he ate shit a couple of times, and then everything was cool. Wow, Jeremy uh, Williams, you uh, look worried. Talking to the Ars Technica. I know. <laughs> I, I, That's something that Will used to that? say. Is that better? Hey, yeah. everybody. Thanks for joining us for this special GDC edition of This Is Only a Test. We have a forecast this week. What podcast has four people on it? That's crazy. I'm Norm, of course. And, of course, Will is back this week. And we have our two usual co-hosts, Jeremy Williams. Hello, hello. Happy birthday. Lit. And Kishore Hari. It's your birthday? It was. It was. Two days ago. You're old. <laughs> Three days ago. I had a great Every birthday. Day. I spent my whole birthday at Oculus. Yeah. It was great. Mon- Monday was Jeremy's official oh. birthday. I got the Facebook notification as I was getting coffee. And you, I wished him a happy birthday. Do you guys do the face Like, sometimes I feel like I should say, hey, Facebook told me to tell you happy birthday. Nope. I just don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. I like Patrick Klepek's old theory yep. of if you don't care enough to say happy birthday on somebody's timeline, you should probably just not be friends with them Guess anymore. What? I just don't say happy birthday to anyone wow. except my wife, and then that's it. Do you what? say happy? Do you social media happy birthday your wife? Yes, I used okay. to do that to my wife, and then she was like, "I kind of don't like that because I get a lot of like randos." I don't like these. I don't like these arbitrary rules that if I don't wish someone happy birthday, I'm, I shouldn't be their friend. I care in other ways, Will. You're just a maverick, Norm. I care in so many other ways. Just okay, all right. Uh, how's everyone doing this week? We... No, I'm kind of entertained. I hope you guys still talk. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to just sit back. We we did something special for my birthday. We did. We did. We uh, So three days before my birthday, yeah. I invited all three of you guys, along with some other brains, to an escape room here in San Francisco. <clears throat> we made it out. We're here today. Almost all of you made it out. If yeah, if sorry. all of you had made it out, maybe we would have won. Yeah, oh, we, made we it were, out we to the escape short. room. Got it. Got Kishore. it. Kishore yeah. wasn't there. Oh, you no. know, when you add more people to escape rooms, it usually makes it worse. No. Well, we were three down from the max. 
So um, we could have used one more, maybe. You know, yeah. uh, we talked about it on Still Entitled a bit, but uh, th- one thing we didn't get into was a lot of just the the nitty gritty of the social dynamic. And people listening to that podcast might not know how we all interact, but like we were there with our significant others. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were getting set up, Jeremy, you're, you brought some pinball friends that yep. we had just met. Uh, there was a poster on on the the lobby, and it said thirty two minutes. And it was labeled today. Today. As like if, someone earlier, a team yeah. earlier that day. That was had the record? The room yeah. in the record was 32 minutes. And you have an hour. And you have a full hour. The other thing we didn't talk about and still entitled is just how into it the people who set up the show are. Yeah, they're in character. They're in character. There was a guy who was wearing like a gamer t shirt. Yeah. He was right out of like Freaks and Geeks. He did this thing uh, early on where. Uh, I don't know if I should. If I could, if I could sh- best recreate sh- it. You should. You should be careful what you share. It, it was, it was very entertaining. Yeah, I, it, it helped us get into for into lot, the mood. For a lot of us, it was our first escape room. It was, and not winning. We were close. We did very well. That's the thing is that we we were split up. There were all kinds of puzzles to solve, from math to spatial, uh, just to discovery or to crossword. It was all over the map. We were on fire. We went in there, you having, Will, having done escape rooms before more than anybody, mm-hmm. you were just immediately directing and making sure that we hit the ground running, which was crucial. Yeah. Yep. That's also how Will is. And yet we I didn't t- win I it. I tend to field marshal. <laughs> well, the, the way it was broken up to multiple stages, I was, I thought there were many points, and maybe it's, that's how it was designed, many points where I thought we were at the end, we're going to, that's it, that's the last puzzle. Yeah. And suddenly they... Tell you, oh, that's just stage what, one. Was it a Here's multi, stage two? Was it a multi-room thing too? Um, well, to well that's just spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. No yeah. Spoil- but um, the it was, I'm, dude, I could not be more on the microphone. Um, it's a common trope, right? The the multiple stages and that you unlock different sequences and levels of the puzzle and yeah. all that. So as everyone here plays video games, we all played Zelda. We all love like when you're playing a a puzzle game, a puzzle, you know. There are escape room um, video games, but most video games, adventure games, are they're kind of thematically the same. They require you to think mm-hmm. a little bit outside the box. But when we're playing a video game, we know the constraints of the world, the fact that it's there are going to be limits of the physics engine. The, there are things we can look for clues and textures and the geometry of the world. In the real world, it's infinite possibilities. The limitations are different. We know that, okay, they can't... You know, take the ground away from us. They can't right. well, they turn can. off gravity, um, and there are some physical, real-world limitations. But there's many fewer limitations than there are in the games because of the very fact that every surface can be a clue, and they have infinite resolution in the real world. But but you know that the room is designed, so you know that either things are in there with intent or they're red herrings, one or yep. the other. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, this is like being a good test taker. Yeah, you know, like they had to design in some way. It's it's not it's not multiple choice, but we know. Okay, if a puzzle is going to be on that wall, like it's going to be within confines. We're supposed to stare at that wall and think until we solve it. For for me, my two favorite parts of the escape rooms are always that opening, that first moment when you walk into the room and you're looking around, and you're trying to figure out where the puzzles are and which pieces go with which other pieces, and and so the puzzle, the the room that we did was really great at that. Um, I've been at some that are intentionally vague about which pieces go with which puzzles, and those are super fun. Because then those are hard. I've yeah. done the oh, those the, give me nightmares. It's hard to jam that into an hour. Is my experience. And they had to give you the, the they have to give you the right amount of clues. Like every the moment the briefing starts, everything can be a clue. Just that, and that's in that sense, it was very much like a video game where you have the 
Yeah. They had a script, and they had, like, you knew that everything was designed. And there was somebody in the room with us from the staff. Oh, who, really? Who act- I don't like those. Well, I actually no, like I, it where they're watching you. I think that that's a necessary way to, to, to help smooth the playing field. So, yeah. cause, because you can't replay these. There's no point in replaying well, some, it. Some of, there are people that design escape rooms that are replayable. Well, th- oh, this one was not. This one I is mean, definitely not. I would imagine that you go back in there, you solve it almost immediately. Yeah. So this, that having the staff member in there allows them to push you towards a solution because they don't really want you to lose. Because they know that you want that they want you to have a positive experience, so that you'll come back and do another one. So right. I'll, I will tell you, like the, I like the ones where there's the voice of God, where mm. you have a certain amount of hints. Because the argument amongst the players about whether it's time to get a hint is one of the most entertaining things oh, ever. Okay, I, I play. See. I play usually about like it, a like half. A f- Half like a dozen escape rooms a year. Is it now, like like, a, like I do a lot of them, and my favorite one is in Las Vegas. And if you if I will put it link to the show notes because it's designed for the three of you. There is this video game component in one of my favorite ones, oh. in this um, science themed one, which was just amazing. Basically, hmm. you you guys would be done in about thirty seconds. I mean, having a curator really? that sounds fun because the people running the escape room—it's only one room—they're focused on us, like the three people running the show. One person's in the room with us; they're on comms with people outside the room to activate things to let them know about our progress. And so, it did. It, I like that having that person in the room. It, there's a little bit reassuring. They would definitely point us and tell us, okay, you're absolutely, that, that is a, just a real world thing that you're not supposed to break off the wall. You're not supposed to turn this thing over because, yes, it looks like it's just, you know, it's just part of the building. Um, it, it's good to have people there to keep you from going off on crazy tangents. Right. Yeah. Which I, is easy to do. But have we, you ever broke, tried to break? I, I've accidentally broke something in one of the oh, rooms that's, that's once. Like oh, tore something off the wall? Or no, no, because disassembled the, furniture? Like, a lot of the rooms are like, everything is in play. You can't really yeah. break anything. And I got obsessed with this one where there's an oscilloscope in the room. Mm. And I, <laughs> I took apart the entire oscilloscope. Oh my and, God, yeah. and they had to come over the comms and were like, Sir, <laughs> <laughs> don't try to distract me from the clue. I know you mean you, you hit something in here. Step away from the oscilloscope. But there was one puzzle, without giving away that puzzle, there was one puzzle that we did not solve, that mm-hmm. we got by, but the, the way to overcome that puzzle was a very video game thing to do, was to mm-hmm. bypass it, was to really think outside the box. Yeah. And a lot of great video games, like um, maybe uh, uh, the... the well, it's kind of Metal Gear-y, right? Like th- there's a lot of that in older Metal Gear games where you have to figure out a workaround that is completely outside the normal rules of the game. I was, I, I guess going into it, I was thinking it would be a lot like the Jonathan Blow game. Um, like we're just standing there looking at a bunch of grids and moving things around. And, and like al- aligning things. And, and there are some elements of mm-hmm. that, and I was really satisfied by that. But I think that's like kind of the, the pinnacle of puzzle design. And to have something like that in the real world would be... So would be intense. So there's a like I've had interesting. It's GDC week, and I've had we've we've been talking about the witness because it's a it's still fresh in a lot of people's minds. And there's a there's a school of thought that the witness is kind of bad puzzle design because it doesn't present you with unique problems that your brain like. There's two types of puzzles, right? And the types of puzzles I really react positively to are ones that are. Uh, that my brain has never before experienced, right? So there's a game called Gun House where you have like a sliding tile puzzle, but it's not the traditional sliding tile puzzle. It's about getting the appropriate stacks and and dumping off the trash on the side. And it was something I'd never encountered before, and I was captivated by it. 
Um, the witness, because because they there's a really deliberate progression through each puzzle type, you kind of never get that moment because the steps are very gradual along the way. But I like that. I like that you have to call back oh, it's, to it's, certain things. It's it's what I like about Portal. Yeah. It's a perfectly valid approach. Just, just to be clear, it's like these are both valid approaches. It's just some people like one kind and some people like the other. And there's actually been some research that shows that certain people's brains like the like the the novel problem, and some people like the mm. the the progression on the non-novel problem. I know, I know. Did some people finish? are going to wonder what escape room this is. This was the escape from the puzzle room. It's a in, scrap ooh, puzzle, right? In Japan, down San Francisco. Yeah, the new people building. Yeah. Uh, on that, Jonathan, uh, on the witness, there's some great podcasts Jonathan Blow has done. Oh, really? About that, I, my favorite is with Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything, where they talk for like an hour just about the puzzle design and witness. I I'll, I will go find that because th- that like that that game is I I, I never finished I haven't finished it yet. Like I I don't do I don't cheat on those games. So I I got stuck on a puzzle at the top of the mountain and sat there for like nine months just kind of picking at it once or twice a week for for all of last year um, and finally figured it out the other day. As people who've done a bunch of escape rooms, what's the most mechanically interesting thing an escape room has done? Like a prefab, custom-built thing that you, you know, to make it feel like a not just off-the-shelf um, so my my friend Sandy, who made the one that I talked about, the, that's an escape room inside a briefcase on Still Untitled this week. Um, it's I think it's called Creatures. If you ever have a chance to do it, I'd highly recommend it. But he's built. He actually uses a Carvey and a Glowforge because he works in the Cards Against Humanity co-working space, and he uses some of the equipment there to build these really custom puzzles that are that are customized for each of the briefcases, and mm. and they're it's mechanically really interesting. I. Kishore, did you do the one in in Japan in uh, Chinatown a few years ago? The the witches the witches den one. No, I've actually never done one here in San Francisco. Oh, oh, hmm. um, yeah. So that one was good, and it had some really neat Arduino powered stuff that I don't want to talk about because I think they still run it in Seattle. Um, you had an opportunity on Friday. Okay, Jeremy is mad at me. I'm mad that we lost. <laughs> I honestly like I walked out of that not having a good experience. But why, don't worry, Jeremy. But. I'm gonna wish so you ha- frustrated. I wanted to do it again like that day. I got you. I'm gonna wish you happy birthday on Facebook. Well, you, what it's do you mean you wanted you you wanted you wished it could have been redone? It was just this sense of like, oh, I can't do anything in my life. It's like when you have a coding problem and you try to go to sleep yeah. and you haven't solved it yet. But they gave us the answer, so yeah, there, no, no, there was but, no going. Back. But I but I didn't feel that sense of fulfillment. I felt like it was a personal failure on all your parts that you disappointed me. Really, <laughs> do they have multiple rooms? Those those folks do multiples. They're doing the yeah. Zelda one. Yeah. They have one that's uh, tied to that zero time dilemma game for 3ds, um, and a couple. And they do. They also do the big ones. They did that big one that was in uh, Pac Bell or AT and T Park. Yeah, yeah, with a couple thousand people. Oh, we uh, and that was uh, a that was based on the anime um, Attack on Titan. Yeah, uh, it was. We were to be clear. We were like three minutes away from getting out of the room. Uh, we were very, very, yeah. very close. Five, three I, to five I, minutes. It depends on. It, it, if we had a faster start, we would have done it. Yeah, yeah. That's I, the reflection always. And if I, only we got a faster. start. They told us we started out really fast. That we solved one of those problems faster than we anybody. We solved one of the hard and, puzzles. Really and fast. I think that's why they let us slide a little bit. I think otherwise they would have pushed us a little quicker. They probably assumed we were going to solve it. <sighs> yeah. The, the the. All right, we've covered this yeah. a lot. Okay. <laughs> Move okay. along. All right. Anything else happening before we jump into our next segment? It's GDC week. Oh, we're getting to GDC. We're getting to GDC. Oh, we, got, we got segments here. All right, let's just jump to 
Anything happening in your life, Will? Any big <laughs> updates? Uh, we The first episode of The Foo Show is in closed beta right now. Um, we're we're doing testing. We have like one outstanding crash bug, and there's a couple of weird things that we want to fix, and a couple of things we need to polish up. And if we weren't at GDC this week, we would probably be releasing it like today or tomorrow. But it it'll be out for Kickstarter backers very soon. And if you're not a backer, you'll be able to buy it at the same time it's out in um, both Steam VR. So we're releasing the Steam VR version first. Everybody who's a Kickstarter backer will get both Steam VR and Oculus Home keys because we're just going to give them every everyone everyone gets everything. Um, the Steam VR version will work with Oculus Touch, Oculus with a gamepad, Vive with hands, Vive with a gamepad. If somebody wants, I don't know why you would want to do that, but if you want to, you can. Uh, and then the 2D client will probably come shortly after um, after that stuff. And then Oculus Home will follow both of those. That's cool. 2D yeah. client is going to be reach a lot of people who don't have VR. So t- the 2D client is actually almost exactly what we used to shoot that Adult Swim. The the pigskin predictions the 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 predictions with the pigskin wizard. I love your description of spelling wizard. (laughs) Yeah, it's a w y y z a r d for some reason. Uh, I also realize you don't have the show notes in front of you. Um, You also peep Oreos. Someone put that in the show notes for Will to talk about. Oh, I just I just saw somebody talking about peep Oreos on Twitter, um, and holy hell. Like late stage capitalism is at work, guys. How many? Oh, how I put many, in a recipe in the show notes. How many gross. peeps do you have to murder to get one peep Oreo? That's what I want to know. Is it a marshmallow filling? Is it an actual different I consistency? Think it's, I don't like it. I think it's the norm. Norm already knows. I think it's just the. I think it's just the normal filling that's vanilla flavored, more vanilla. Who wanted that? You know, no one. That's wanted a that. no, I'm making this. No, no let's. No like, I'm gonna that. make one next idea. week. I'll use Girl Scout cookies instead of oh, don't sacrifice Oreos. Girl Scout. Yeah, no. Do you guys watch no. the Oscars? Yeah. Oh. You know what? That seems perfect for <laughs> pop culture news. Wow. Wow. It's that good. was an amazing segue, guys. I just want to say, like, this, this, since you got rid of the dead weight around here, you really up your game in a high, like, the music cue was right on. Norm's, it was A. plus. I would watch that every time. All right. So on Sunday night, we had the, uh, what is it, 86th annual Oscars. It was the one with Jimmy Kimmel. It was, a, it, they've been running these for a long time. The Jimmy Kimmel hosted. Final Oscars. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it, it really, Made live television compelling again. Holy hell. That's so good. Or live streaming. My wife had fallen asleep with my son in the back, and I went and I woke her up, and I was like, you have to watch this. So um, (laughs) going into the Oscars, you have all these articles, and people do their pools, and I think it really was up in the air uh, whether Moonlight would win or La La Land, especially the Golden Globes perfectly splitting those things apart because their best picture is split into – Musical slash comedy, Hello yeah. the Martian, and and then also drama and Moonlight won for drama and La La Land won for musical for comedy. Perfect, perfect split. So going in, you had like you. It's very political because it's all people like there's there's popularity, there's the backlash, there's the um, there's lobbying. People buy ads in newspapers on websites, and so and and of course PwC Pricewaterhouse Coopers who does the accounting. All that is held secret. Only two people know, and so I think. 
As are, a telecast. Are those the envelope holders? Those are the both the envelope holders and the ballot collectors. It's, an, it's oh, one of wow. the biggest accounting firms. They've yeah, been doing yeah. it forever. No, no, years. but I mean the two people that are standing on the side yes, of the stage are the Those only are the only know? two people that know. Wow. And it was, uh, as it turned out, one of those two people, one of the high executives at PwC, that screwed up and handed up a backup envelope to Warren Beatty. For Best Supporting Actress. She, he handed out the Best Supporting Actress best envelope. Best Lead Actress. Or best, sorry, yeah, Best, 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 yes, best Actress in a Leading Look, role. we even can't get it right. Yeah. Right, um, and but hey, we're not getting PwC money. But and, some people may actually not know about this. Right, right. So what Spoilers, happened, by the way, it, um, was as a as they rolled it to the the final category, Oscars went long. It's the last thing, Best Picture. Uh, you had Best Director Damon Giselle from La La Land won. Uh, La La Land was looking great. Best Supporting Actor um, Moonlight won. But you had uh, the Best Song No Egot for Lin Manuel Miranda because the uh, La La Land song won, even though they had two songs nominated for Best Song, and that people thought happens. they were going to split the yeah. vote. And going up to Best Picture, Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway from Bonnie and Clyde to celebrate the 50th anniversary of that movie coming out, went on stage, and Warren Beatty took the envelope, stared at it. Looked in the envelope. Looked in the envelope. Again. To make sure there wasn't a second sheet. Right, right, right. And then Faye Dunaway said, what are you doing? Just say it. Yeah. And he passes the buck right. onto Faye Dunaway. Wow. She takes it, glances at it, and says, La La Land. People cheer. The producers come up for La La Land. Ryan Gosling's on stage. It, Twitter explodes and it's furious. They start giving their acceptance speech. The acceptance speeches, uh, but like, like some of them finished. So their I, I didn't. Wa- I wasn't speeches. watching this on TV. I was on. Um, I was on multi-screen. Okay. And Twitter was like, oh, okay, clearly oh, yeah. this is Hollywood in love with itself Crash again. Yeah. Like everyone had their tweets ready about. Yeah. Uh, you know. Everyone yes. had their tweets ready. That is the best description of 2017. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the I, my Twitter feed. Everyone experienced it a little differently, but on my Twitter feed, it was like maybe 15 seconds ahead of the live stream on ABC, and there was a wait what? A lot of wait what's. Yeah, yeah. Wait, comma, what? Well, when you saw all the guys with like headsets walking on the stage, you were like, something's not right. Well, and when I saw the wait what tweets, I thought, okay, like I I already, those two and a half minutes into the, except after Wade Dunaway said La La Land, two and a half minutes into it, I had become, I'd gone through all the emotions. Yeah. I've been resigned to, okay, La La Land won. This is the world we live in. You didn't uh, like La La Land. I thought it was good. It was okay. It, I didn't think it was fantastic. Has anyone I, seen I both it, of them? No, I mean... I've only I've, seen Moonlight. I heard it's really good. <laughs> um, I don't go see movies anymore. And then you had producers sure. of the Oscars show themselves in tuxes with, like Will said, the the comm systems yeah. on stage, kind of shuffling in the back, looking very concerned. And the tweets made me think someone said something inappropriate, like... Oh, something offensive. They would have just faded to black and rolled oh, out. Something, something was something, something bad was happening, and then the uh, the producer of La La Land went to the mic and said, "Wait, no, Moonlight won. This is not a joke. Moonlight, you guys and he, won." And he, and he held up the card. And he held which up is the, the card. Important thing. And I bet that was the evidence that the producers gave to him. He grabbed yeah. it out of Warren Beatty's hands. No, no, no it wasn't no, Warren. He had a separate card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Warren Beatty held on to the mistake card. Yeah. Because he explained himself. Well, I opened it and it said Emma Stone La La Land. And Warren Beatty, afterward, apparently did not let anyone touch that card and went straight to the like, Mr. Oscar, like the yeah. r- whoever runs the show. Yeah. And, sh- and said, This is, look, proof. Not my fault. Not my fault. Yeah. yeah. And Emma Stone, afterward, in the, in the uh, press conference, said, Well, I was holding my card. Which best actress so she won? So it was a backup. So it was a backup well, so they, card. So as we are all now experts on the mechanics of the Oscar card handing <laughs> process, 
they have one person on each side because actors can enter and the presenters can enter from either side of the stage. So they have two sets of cards, one on each side, and the PWC person apparently chucked the best picture card when he should have chucked the the best actress card. How does that happen? Well, I mean, they've done it 86 times, and this is the first mistake they've made. You have made. one job. It's best picture. I actually don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I actually thought Jimmy <laughs> Are you Kimmel... kidding? No, I mean... To, like, it's it, so it, shitty for the a, people who made Moonlight, really, Moonlight. Yeah, so I think that's actually the important thing. Like, yeah. is that... well. A, I want to say Jimmy Kimmel was actually kind of great about it on stage. I don't think so. He didn't know I what thought, to say. Any I think than he was else trying did. to yeah. deflate the situation. Did you hear the the sound clip of Warren Beatty saying, "I think you guys should keep it"? Yeah. What? I, I, yeah. I, I thought Jimmy Kimmel said that. <laughs> no, it was. I think it was. Warren I thought Beatty. that was Jimmy Kimmel. I think yeah, he, he made Kimmel a joke, too. and and uh, what's Michael Horowitz? I think maybe the producer for La La Land said so so the, here's the shitty thing we've now spent 15 minutes talking about this whole thing and we Instead should be talking moonlight. about moonlight yeah. yeah that's that's, that's, the, the, shitty that's the shitty thing, thing yeah. of the because whole deal. moonlight is this incredibly important film in terms of like when you watch it you can just you go through all of these these stages it's not entirely rewatchable in the same way um a lot of you know heavy films are but it, it's like it's an important piece of art and that's the real the shame here is because winning an Oscar usually does that. It's like yeah. all these other people are going to go see it. Well, it's getting a wider release this weekend, so it's back in theaters. Uh, so people should definitely go out and watch it. Did what did you guys think about that bit with the um, the people on the tour bus? Oh, I, I thought I it went, watch on, that went on a bit too long. I, I leading I, up to it, I was like bracing for a train wreck and a cringe, and then I I don't know. I found right. it quite but charming. You, you gotta you gotta wonder how real any of that was. Uh you know, wow, Jerry, it felt it believable real. to me. You didn't me. look like the cynical type. Uh, just knowing that every single talk show is completely pre-planned and scripted, and this is the Oscars. And they had to sign releases, I bet. You know. <clears throat> well, they probably just signed the normal tour release. Like, mm. the if we accidentally murder you, you're not gonna, your family won't be able to take Actually, us. they just probably had a s- super long EULA, and at the bottom was like, you may be on the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the woman's name was Eulery. My... <laughs> My experience of <laughs> rhyme with jewelry. My experience of the flub at the end was interesting because I was watching the stream on my iPad and I didn't watch any film for, up for Best Picture. I had mm. no dog in this race. I didn't care. You haven't seen Arrival yet. Haven't seen no nothing. Wow. So I just watched. I saw, I, I saw the announcement that La La Land won, and I turned off the iPad. Suddenly, wow. Twitter starts to blow up. I'm like, dudes. Chill out. It's just La La Land. It won. Yeah, you're upset about it. Yeah, <laughs> but at least that, it was better than Crash. That wasn't why they were upset about it. So then I had to find the clip. I no. couldn't believe that I missed the best part. So I had to search frantically for the clip of what had happened, and it wasn't yeah. wasn't that easy to find. When the, the clips that were online immediately after were all cut down in weird ways, so yes. it was hard to tell exactly what happened. I wanted to see the whole th- train. Andy Anako was recording it on uh, on DVR and put up the clip shortly after. So if you oh. followed him on Twitter, for Andy. I, posted, saw, I saw that when he posted yeah. the clip. Uh, was They also had the, the behind-the-scenes angle. I think ABC had like a backstage and, yeah. This thing happening in real time, I mean, it's why this kind of type of live television can sometimes be compelling. And I wish there was a better segue to talk about uh, the new live live TV that Google is going to roll out. But we're going to get to that in the tech section. Well, hold on. I, I, wanted, I wanted to say I loved that instead of doing the big, long opening number where they normally like do the bad parodies of the movies, mm, right. Justin, Justin Timberlake just came out and sang the song from Trolls. That like, was great. And ran through the theater, and everybody was dancing, and it was Nor- great. Norm. It was a good opening. Wait, wait. Norm, Trolls is great. I haven't seen it. Trolls, all, Trolls is incredible. You, 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 you and your special lady friend should come over to the house. You can watch Trolls with my daughter. And I have Trolls, guys, too. Yeah. You can come over anytime. It's great. I've been, I've been trying to convince Norm to watch Trolls like, for a month. Look, I, I Gina <laughs> took the kid to see Trolls, 
in, in December at the Dollar Movie Theater in Palo Alto or Stanford or something. And I was like, why are you bringing this garbage into our life? And they both came back singing songs. And she was like, that movie was really good. And I was like, you are out of your mind. I, I don't believe you. And then, and then it came out on DVD <laughs> three weeks ago, approximately 65 watchings ago. And that is a fine film. Is it's it like fine good, is it fine? Film. Like a, like Shrek is fine? No, Shrek is garbage. It's like Kung Fu Panda three fine. Uh, it's it's it's. No one I saw think that either. It's probably the best DreamWorks <laughs> film. Really, it's up there with Wag films. What? It's it's what? not it's, it's not better than How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, because that's a good one. I, yeah. that's the best I actually DreamWorks haven't film. seen How to Train Your Dragon. No, that's true. How to Train Your Dragon is better. The animation is really good. They do they do. Um, this is uplifting in a time of darkness. Yeah, it's it's about finding happiness inside and not by eating things. I saw Storks instead. Storks is That's hot garbage. That's a mistake. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer should be ashamed of himself. Is it Kelsey Grammer? Yeah, he was the boss stork. Oh, wow. I, I watched Norma of the North. Don't watch that either. Uh, I wish I watched uh, that before I went to the Arctic. Sing Sing was okay. Last year, kids' movies that were okay. Wow. Zootopia, Moana, Sing. Yeah, how about uh, Zootopia beating out both Moana and um, <clears throat> Kubo? And Kubo in two strings. It's Kubo. I- I, I knew it. I called that one because I knew I knew Zootopia would resonate better. Nobody saw Kubo was the problem. Yeah, Kubo, Kubo was, was my favorite film of last year. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, films coming out this year. We had Hyper a couple of new, uh, m- yeah, movie yeah. trailers. Uh, we have the new Guardians of the Galaxy two trailer just out yesterday, and this has the first appearance. Uh, well, first next thirty seconds. Minor spoilers. So just mute. Uh, if you don't care about the Guardians of the Galaxy, no, we can talk about it. We can just uh, you we, had, we you, can talk about it this way. Does that have I'm Groot. Groot. I'm I'm, I'm Groot. Groot. I am Groot. Groot. Oh, I am Groot. Yeah. I am Groot. Spoiler. Too. I am Groot. Yeah. 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 Uh, they they revealed a new cast member and yeah, saw that. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I think the to- the 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 writing. No you don't just know. In the you don't know what that reveal okay. means. We're not going to say anything <laughs> about the details, but I thought the writing really should the, the in that the choice lines they chose for the trailer showed that the writing is still up to snuff. Like they had really funny lines just in the trailer. Okay. And that movie's gonna make gangbuster money because I think people love Chris Pratt, <clears throat> people love Guardians of the Galaxy, and people love Baby Groot. That first Guardians of the Galaxy trailer is one of the better Marvel trailers. Wait, for two or for the original? For the for the original. Yeah. yeah. Like that that the, I, I don't know if it's the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but the the trailer that I saw for the first Guardians of the Galaxy is spectacular. It has the music, it has the umbu chaka, umbu chaka, you know, the whole thing mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a tough movie to sell. The first one, it was yeah. a tough movie to sell because people just didn't know who these people characters were. And yeah. it was really the ending is the best ending of any Marvel movie too. Uh, wow. Uh, we also it. had a new Alien Covenant trailer, not just the prologue. Uh, the new trailer came out, and it's interesting because the trailer has clips of the prologue, but the prologue I don't believe is in the film. It was actually directed by Ridley Scott's son, Luke Scott. Uh, but the uh, it's a really good trailer, and it shows some xenomorphs. Hmm. And we. And wheat, scary wheat, forebode uh, ominous wheat. Not watching trailers has been good for me. Can I make a quick inception question about the Oscars? Sure. <clears throat> is Jungle the, Book deserving of the Best Special Effects Award when compared to Doctor Strange and Rogue One? I didn't see Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange, I feel is the high bar for special effects. I was blown That's, away. I, I didn't think like Rogue One was the high bar for special effects. I just last think year. like the CG I, in Doctor Strange. I didn't think you could do that. Are you talking about the buildings, especially? Yeah. All that world warping stuff, which is like constant, I, that that seems so expensive to me. So Rogue One wasn't going to win because Tarkin and Leia were really divisive. No, no, that's no. true. I get that. Yeah. No, get th- that. That's yep. fair. But I, I haven't seen Jungle Book, and, and, and now Jungle like, Book's pretty amazing. Is it so, great? so maybe it's, it's like up there with Jumanji. Let's put it this like, way. It, no, I mean in terms of Favreau effects movies, yeah. it's pretty good. Okay, like 
I agree with you that conceptually, the special effects in Doctor Strange were unbelievable. But technically, was that just a matter of algorithms and having the original idea, like the Inception idea of folding cities into themselves? Uh, or the Jungle Book, a lot of that was seemed like hard work of animation. It was animation and like effects work. Life right? of Pi kind of stuff. And, just like, and it's oh, seamless. I don't Is know it? that you can't you can't tell. Like really? I thought Kubo should have been in that category too, frankly, because there's stop motion and then there's effects. And when you watch the making of reels for that, you can't it's you can't unbelievable. Tell. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons are. why I didn't like Kubo as much as a lot of people did. Because it didn't feel like a stop motion because movie. It didn't feel like a stop yeah. motion movie. It didn't wear its own sleeve. I don't know. Speaking of for Doctor Strange, that final fight scene, the yeah. choreography of that and the effects that went into that, I think are hard to deny. Yeah. Ah, I have. I'm actually asking genuinely. I'm not making a contest. I haven't seen Jungle Book. Is but that out on? Are you, I have the disc. It's, you can it's borrow out, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of that technology is going to be adapted for uh, Lion King, uh, which John Favreau is directing. That, and um, and who's playing? Is it Donald Glover playing young Simba? I, I believe. And James Earl Jones coming back as Mufasa. Isn't Donald Glover a little old for young Simba? Maybe teenage Simba. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. He's like thirty. Well, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is a little old for Simba these days. Fair. So. Is uh, Fair. Billy Crystal coming back? What did Billy? He played what? Timon yeah. or Pumbaa or something? No, he was one of those. He was like, the bird, the, the jackal. You know, the, the the you know. He was the jackal. No, not the jackal. No, the, the that was the bad guy. No, no, no. no you know the M- M- Hakuna Matata. Was he the Was he the orangutan oh, he, or was no, he, he the he bird? Was, he, Timon. You actually remember that character name? Timon and Pumbaa. Wow. This was a formative movie for Norm. Yeah, early the 90s. first Disney movie he ever saw. <laughs> Warthog and no, Little Mermaid. I was with I was with somebody the other day who was born after the Little Mermaid, and I was like, oh, just I don't want to be your friend anymore. Wow. All right. Uh, last bit of pop culture news: we have the new Lego Ideas set announced, and uh, it does fit with uh, the theme of this year. It's going to be the Women of NASA. Oh, I thought it might be the Oval Office. Uh, Inception, Katherine Johnson at the Oscars was, that was amazing cool. yeah. watching her. She's 98, mm-hmm. was yeah. up on stage. That was uh, awesome. And so, she was uh, brought out by an astronaut. Oh, uh, and there was a second astronaut, the um, uh, Iranian, Iranian yes, astronaut yes. that also spoke. And yes. Seeing her get a standing O was was pretty fantastic. Uh, the so, women NASA set looks, looks cool. Um, it's it more, has a little mini space shuttle. So this is interesting because they had um, scientists, women scientists, as a previous Lego ideas, and those yeah. are tiny little dioramas mm-hmm. of like a, a paleontologist, a chemist. Uh, this, uh, they haven't shown what the final set will look like. Just thematically, it's going to be the women of NASA. And the pitch was like this plaque with minifigs and and a NASA logo and uh, and names. I think I hope that what they'll actually do is make little dioramas like that the last one, um, showing them at work and what they actually did at NASA. Have they ever done a Saturn V? Have they done like like old rockets? I know they did space shuttle and stuff like that. I cannot say anything. Oh, well, um, one day you will hope that the men of NASA will get their day in the spotlight. <laughs> So send your tweets to at Jerware. Wow. <laughs> um, under still under consideration for people who submit. So the, the way Lego Ideas works is people create custom designs, they submit them, and then when they reach, I believe, twenty, it's more than ten thousand votes now. They up the the floor for that. They go through a review process, and they do it every quarter or every half year. And they said that this there was the second um, 
half of 2016 LEGO review results, would have NASA won? Still up for consideration. They're still figuring it out. Voltron. Oh, yeah. Dude. It has not been denied yet. Yeah, I, I mean, like there's, a, there's, a, there's a series. The Netflix series is on. So they can so get the license. there's a reason to license it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, designs that got enough votes but LEGO turned down included the Adams Family Mansion, a LEGO Observatory, a uh, Spaceballs Eagle 5. We'll never get that. Is that Luke Speeder? A land speeder. Is, is, is Eagle 5 the Winnebago? It's or? the Winnebago. Oh. I know. I would have wanted that as a really I would have Winnebago looks cool. There's no yeah. mass market appeal there. Um, and, Sorry, uh, and a modular construction site, which also looked cool. Up for review in summer of 2017. All right? Mm-hmm. The, there's, it's uh, 12 different sets. You have what looks awesome, like a Volkswagen Golf GTI Mark One, a ship in a bottle. I would love ship in a bottle. Looks ship awesome. in a bottle would be amazing. Where do you see these? Right there. You're looking these, are, um, these are 2016. You scroll down a little bit. No, that's them. That's them. Okay. Ooh, the UCS. Like Veronica? Is that Veronica? The Iron Giant, up I, for review. Yeah, that looks big. The UCS Ray Speeder. Nah. Now I know they did a Ray Speeder, but this would be a UCS version. I don't know. Nah. And then of course the thing that I think everyone wants to be a set, but maybe too expensive. The Hulkbuster UCS would be really cool. What's the What's the hut on the top left? Uh, the boat repair shop, which looks gorgeous as a diorama, but I don't know if Lego Lego. I mean, that doesn't have any Mars market appeal. That's more for like Lego architecture connoisseurs. The ship in a bottle is amazing. I think ship in a bottle would be yeah. a really nice. Well, one how does for that do? What? How does that it's work? It's clear bricks. Is the bottle of bricks too? The bottle's bricks. That's it's all, it's so you wouldn't need bricks. to build it like. That would be a challenge, though, for you to build the bottle first. There's no yeah. way you could put the Lego inside. No way you inside. couldn't do that. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I can't wait for this video. I would, I would love to do you it. You need to get the world's best ship model Come builder. on, you would need glue. You would just need, like... Yeah, but you, you can't get the force to push the bricks down without exploding the whole thing. You just need a special tool. What are you talking about? You leave a tiny hole in the top <laughs> so you can have a pusher, pusher rod that can you, come yeah, down. It's all about angles. Cheating. You use a vacuum pump to suck the Lego down onto it. Oh my goodness! All right, that does it for. Oh, let, let's get. Oh some, wait, we have an wait, update. Wait, wait. Nathan Lane voiced the voice Timon in oh, the Lion not King. Billy Crystal. There's no Billy Crystal. No, I Billy made that Crystal up. In the Lion King. Made it up. No, I guess that's just Monsters Inc. All, All right. right, sorry, I failed. What are we going to tech? Yes. You know, while we were reminiscing about the 90s, uh, something that was massive in the 90s I used a lot was AOL Instant Messenger. AIM. Yeah. Not that Will Smith. Yeah. Oh, I was Keish well, bothers you, me. <laughs> like, you didn't, you didn't embrace it. That sounds right. Yeah. It took a while for you to actually embrace the quiche. Oh, oh no, no. no. I think it was that he was saying he's bothering yeah. you. So when you got a message, it would say, quiche bothers me. And then what I was oh, saying. Very clever. Yeah. Very clever. Not a fan uh, then, I guess. Well. AOL no, Instant Messenger, I mean, arguably one of the best things that came out of AOL. Uh, it's still, people still use it. I still have, I think we all still have our screen names. And for the longest time, you could access your AOL Instant Messenger account through their API called Oscar. Yeah, appropriately. I, I used Pigeon for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Well, at the end of March, they're going to be deactivating Oscar, so no more third-party access wow. to what? AOL Instant Messenger. Is that even legal? You can only <clears throat> access AIM. With the default AIM app. Now, unless they're going to launch their own Pigeon-like client, they'll let you tap into Google Hangouts and other services. I think this is the death bell for AIM. I have it on my phone. 
That's the only place I use AIM anymore. And the like actual only, AIM app. Yeah, only Wait. three people ever AIM me. Really? You still yeah. use it, though? Like, this year I, you've I gotten the name instant message? I... Well, with Pigeon, it doesn't matter. I right? might not have signed up when I got a new phone. I haven't small. gotten an instant message in like a year. Well, because I have it in the DM in Pigeon, it just blends in with my other chat services like Google Hangouts. I don't even know what is through AIM. Oh, see, and it's what's all it's anymore. all text messaging now. I, I can't handle this kind of news. Next thing you're gonna next week you're gonna tell me ICQ is going down. And my one one two nine six four five four three six zero six seven seven seven. You guys are so sad. <laughs> Um, the last aim I got was eight months ago. Yeah, see, wow. we used time. to use it a lot, even in the early days of like Whale Rock and Tested. Yeah, now there's Slack. Yeah, Slack's so much better. Holy smokes! All right, um, let's talk about GDC. Goodness. Let's talk about the Game Developers Conference. Yeah, uh, I gave a talk. Yeah, so uh, GDC officially start uh, the show floor opens up when we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, but ahead of and it's panels and talks all week. But now they've allocated the first couple days of GDC to what they call VRDC, the Virtual Reality Developers Conference. Well, and Will, other, yeah, you uh, you participated and gave a talk there. Yeah, what was it about? Uh, we talked about how how why why we like procedural animation, which is what we use to make foo and. Um, kind of lessons we learned in the first year and change of of running a VR company, not like financial or business stuff, but like how how we evolved the tool and stuff like that. And I th I think that talk will definitely be on the GDC vault at some point, and maybe on YouTube if they like it. I don't know how they decide what goes on YouTube and what stays on the vault. But if you have a vault pass, which I think like if you're interested in learning how games are made, a GDC vault pass is a really good way to get a lot of the experience of going to GDC without spending thousands of dollars coming to San Francisco. The travel is very yeah. expensive. But, but also the networking in person is a big part of the value. I mean, in reality, at GDC as a game developer, which is for all intents and purposes what I am, um, I spend a lot of time talking to people. Not really, and I go to sessions if I have a moment. But. How long was your talk? Uh, 30 minutes. Did you do rehearsals at home? We So uh, I did it with Andre, mm -hmm. uh, my lead dev. Uh, and he came in on Sunday night, and we had basically sketched the whole thing out, and I had put art together for the whole thing. Uh, and then on Sunday afternoon, we spent Sunday afternoon, Sunday night working, like working on the logistics of, like the actual mechanics of the talk. And, live demos on stage or anything? Uh, we didn't do any live demos. Uh, the setup and takedown time is not enough to like set up a vibe and have it be reliable and yeah. confident that it's going to work. So we didn't try to do a live demo this time. Um, maybe next year when we're more confident in the Oculus version of our of our recording client, which is it's brand new and we haven't really used it a whole lot yet. Um, but yeah, so so then and then we did a live demo at the Upload VR party on Monday night, which was which was fun. Oh, very cool. Um, but that that was a little bit easier because all I had to bring to that was a thumb drive. You know, they have turns out the Upload VR folks have a really cool mixed reality studio yes, set up yeah, in their office Yeah, I met some of those now. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they awesome. do live streams on Will. Facebook. Yeah. It's really it's it's what they they put together a really cool thing like they have a Ronin that's tracked so they can do mixed reality with a gimbal mounted mm -hmm. SLR that's wirelessly connected to their so it's it was neat and they have the the with the um, the Vive of course they put a they a Vive yeah, controller so they put a Vive controller yeah. on it so they can track the camera position and the and the and the virtual camera position and line them all up. And all that so much of GDC for us is about virtual reality. We're going to save a lot of that talk for the v an extended VR minute, uh, which is going to complement the new episode of Projections. We're just going to get the advertisement out there. It's The episode is live as of four minutes ago what, as we're recording this. What's Projection Storm? It's a, a new VR a show about virtual reality and augmented reality and the technologies that are going to put us in 
new computer pl- computing platforms wow. that Jeremy and I are hosting. It's like a long form show, like three hours long. It's about between thirty and forty minutes long. Oh, wow, that's too. Nobody watches a video that long on the internet. <laughs> that's very digestible. <laughs> Thanks to Patrick for the first comment on the projections episode two video. Oh, all right. Hello, back. <laughs> yeah, things are happening in real time right now. Um, thank goodness the internet is still up though, because internet wow. was down yesterday. At least a large portion of it. A lot of people don't know data centers where websites are hosted, and even Dropbox as a service. Dropbox doesn't have its own servers. They buy server storage space and processing space from companies like Amazon or Google. And Amazon has AWS, which is their big hosting service. It's a huge part of their business, a really smart thing they invested in. Uh, Unfortunately, AWS was basically down for most of yesterday morning. And you know what my favorite part about this is? You know what else was on hosted on S3 on AWS was the status page for AWS. And when you went to the status page, it was green lights all the way down. They didn't even report themselves down. Also, is it down or is it just me? Like that site, you know, the down for me, down for you, whatever that one is. That was down. Right. Which is really funny, I think. Um, So, like, you know the story of how S3 got created, right? No. Uh, How AWS got created, rather. So Bezos, years ago, in the early 2000s, said... Hey, uh, we're not going to run Amazon, the the e-commerce site, on bare metal machines and data centers anymore. We're going to run it across off of an API, and you all have a finite period of time. I think it was six months, but it may have been a year to move everything that Amazon does on the web, which is even at that time, fifteen years ago, was a huge, huge, huge undertaking, off of the metal servers, you know, the the servers and racks, onto API level access. So. Uh, and it was it, it was a, it, tur- it turns out to have been an absolutely brilliant thing to do because it meant that they could scale effortlessly, right? It, the, the scaling was independent of the hardware that they had, and they could scale hardware or or capabilities independently of each other. Um, and then they also have this massive business that they can sell server time, and and you know it's like they they have it's it's a it's it's way more than just S three and EC two now. When you look at what AWS does, they have database servers, they have you know, servers that are storage that's designed to be written too frequently. They have S3, which is basically buckets that you can download from, uh, which is what Dropbox uses mostly. It's it's really neat. It's a good I story. must have the breakfast octopus. You, you always try it. You yeah. wanted to try it. Yes. Meh. That's the story of why Jeff Bezos bought uh, Woot. Woot. The, it wasn't you know, because Amazon of owns, the Woot monkey? Yeah. Yeah, Amazon owns Woot IMDb. Mm-hmm. It's because, and, and the Woot owner asked him why, why did you buy Woot? How does this change? How does the you know how does this fit into your Amazon business? And they were yeah. having breakfast. He was having breakfast with Jeff Bezos, and Jeff Bezos says, "Look at this menu." After the you sale, see? you see this bre- there's breakfast octopus on this menu. I've never had breakfast octopus. I must have the breakfast octopus. And that was an analogy you, for why he wanted Woot. Yeah. He told him, "You are the breakfast you are octopus. the breakfast octopus." I must God, have that's... because I do not own it. <laughs> he didn't understand it. <laughs> I don't and understand he, it. And the easiest way for him to understand it is just to buy it. <laughs> it's when you slowly walk away. <laughs> well, it's too late. He'd already sold the company at that point. Um, he does meh now. No, oh, really? The Woot guy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know, uh, we talked about this on Still Entitled, but it bears repeating, especially on this podcast. Uh, there is legislation that's trying that's going through uh, state legislatures, I want to say. And, and five different states right now uh, for rights repair. And the legislation hasn't gotten very far because there's a lot of lobbying against the idea. So uh, what lawmakers are trying to pass on our behalf is the, uh, the is, is 
forcing, mandating uh, technology companies and consumer electronic companies to allow third-party repair shops and independent users to get access to OEM hardware uh, to, and components to repair the electronics that they've bought, and also provide information transparency about how to how to get into the the software for to run diagnostics, for example. Um, and uh, it's a movement we believe in. Anyone who has broken their phone and uh, or has tried to take apart and and people we take apart our phones. And everyone here has taken apart a phone, but it's unfortunately cheaper now to go into like an Apple store to get your phone repaired and your screen repaired because they have the monopoly because it's so expensive to buy the replacement screen itself. I, I you know, we talked about the sense of title and I, I'm, I am still of two minds about compelling companies to sell stuff that they don't necessarily want to sell. Um, but on the other hand, like you should be able to go to the Apple store and buy buy the parts that you need for a reasonable cost if you want to replace your iPhone screen. What, what's the point? Is this a big revenue stream for Apple repairs? Is that I, why they don't want to sell is, third parties, or do they not want to sell these parties in order to just to keep their, uh, you know, their hardware close to their chest and not let people uh, hack into it? It seems like a little of column A, a little of column B. I mean, I I think. I don't think repairs. I think Apple Care is probably a, a, a greater than single digit line item on their iPhone business. Um, I don't think that the repairs are that big. And if you look at the decisions they make, like they, they the reason they made the iPhone Seven waterproof and and arguably part of the Success series as well is because those water damage repairs, dropping your phone in the toilet happens an awful lot. Yeah. So if you can prevent that from destroying your phone then that saves them money on repairs and means that Apple Care is more profitable and, and things like that. Right. So I don't know. I, I like I don't know what the, the impetus is that they don't want to have to deal with bungled repairs at the Apple Maybe Store it's probably. just the partnership. There's also proprietary information. They feel like it's going to be unfair to compel them to release schematics and release that's what I mean. information, and that, that's which is well, they consider I, proprietary. And, and I do kind of feel like it's unfair to – like if, if the legislation is, hey, other people should be able to manufacture the parts, that seems – weird to me oh yeah but if it's hey you have to be able to buy the parts instead of just have them go and pay labor like i why should i pay labor ever i can replace a screen in about 15 minutes the, if you to pick up on what you said on still entitled if you walked in the apple store and they said we're going to sell you a license to a phone yeah if they were just honest about it yeah about what it is would that change your purchasing behavior i i'm on the iphone upgrade plan right now <laughs> i mean i i i I don't give money to AT&T for phones anymore. I just pay 40 bucks a month forever, it seems like. Because realistically, like I never sell old phones. I'm bad about that. So I would go buy a new phone every year and then be stuck with... I have a drawer full of old busted phones or old working phones that I don't use anymore. Hey, what's the right age for a child to get a phone? Like 20, 22. <laughs> All right. What about you, Kishore? What do you think? Depends I don't know. What phone. I'm, I'm 39, and I don't. I think my phone should be taken away from me. <laughs> well, if it's a Nokia 3130 or 303310, uh, then you know maybe middle school. What? Yeah. What? Middle well, that's school? That's when I. That, or high school. Let's say high school. When did you get a phone, Norm? Uh, well, they didn't have cell phones until I was in late middle school. I, I get school. they had cell phones when you were before. They that. didn't they have just... the Nokia 3310 until I was in high school. Okay. Um, so Wait, that's coming back? It's coming back. That's going to go well. So at Mobile World Congress also, which happened uh, this week, uh, we had a bunch of new phones, LG G6 on the high end announced, new BlackBerry phones, but also a new Nokia entry-level phone. Um, 
which it runs it's it looks like the old one it is inspired by the old design but it's not just a rebrand of mm-hmm. the old design it has new screens color screen has a new version of snake on it uh, it's not a smartphone so it's not it's and you have a limit number of context capacity uh, things you can put on it uh, but it's basically a burner phone how is it not a smartphone burner, it's, it doesn't run doesn't run Android is it touchscreen? I do not believe it is touchscreen. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It has a little joypad, hard keypad. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. New version of Snake. The CEO of the company is releasing this that owns the Nokia hardware business, Nokia hardware business, uh, says it's going to be a phone that maybe you'd buy, like a $60 phone you'd buy in the checkout line at Best Buy. So it's like those Coleco, those, those things that look like an old Atari controller that you can plug into your TV and get a, a play. If you play need it, it's going to be on. In a nice clear clamshell case that you can that you just pick off the shelf at your local big box store. Yeah, but does it come with minutes? I mean, why would you? I'm do sure that? they would pair it with minutes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that, it's, a, it's your burner. That's phone. the money. It's, it's a burner phone. Look, I'm gonna go out mm. to the desert and make a big load of meth, and I need a way to contact people just once. So a sixty dollars burner is. Exactly How do you do that though? How do you get the minutes for that? Well, first you get a big uh, RV? spherical base oh, okay. base and an RV, and then some burners. No, I seriously like. How do you get burner minutes? You go buy a card. That works. You just buy a card. They're up basically it. like gift cards. Okay, yeah. and it does. You don't have to associate that with a credit card number or address, phone number. It depends on which state you're in. I think I don't know. Huh. I, right. I've never. I've uh, number of burner <laughs> phones I've bought to date equal zero. All right. Um, did you hear the story? This is something that I'm a little bit skeptical about because we did get fooled by the Doom driving the Porsche story. Force driving the Doom game Don't story last we. week. Don't I did. We. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Wired has a story about researchers that, um, based on their study, they believe that you could malware could allow someone to steal data via the blinking LED on a hard drive. This is this is from a Neil Stevenson novel. Wait, what? This it, was it is Cryptonomicon. It is <laughs> absolutely from Cryptonomicon. But the idea is. Um, in I believe the uh, Ben Gurion University in Israel, they run, uh, they ran the cybersecurity scientists there ran a study and ran a demo where they demonstrated that if the right type of malware got into your computer, it could control, intercept the signal between the the OS and the motherboard, and which controls the blinking hard drive indicator light that most computers still have, mm-hmm. the power light and the hard drive light, and by blinking and using code. They could transfer data at a astounding rate of what is it, twenty k a twenty k a no, sorry, four k a second. I was going to say it's going to be that's pretty fast. I that's faster you, than I would have yeah, guessed. I, I would have had really you guess. Fast. Yeah, four thousand bits a second, or close to a megabyte every half hour. I I so optically to a camera optically. So exactly. So you'd have the theory is that for a data center, if this was to hack a data center where you have tons of blinking lights, all you'd have to do is have it, the right imaging system capture that video, and then have and then parse it through a an algorithm. It'd have to be pretty high speed though, the camera. It would have presumably. to be high speed and high resolution, high enough resolution, especially not, if you're talking. Yeah, you I mean, all, the, all those out. things scale. Yeah, yeah, you could slow the data rate. Yeah, That's so interesting. So. I, I after reading about I think Stuxnet was what they used to do to to destroy the the uh, the um, cyclo uh, not cyclotrons the um, Kishore what are the things you use to separate out different density materials centrifuge centrifuge thank you after the Stuxnet was used to destroy the Iranian centrifuges and reading how they got air gapped like got viruses onto air gapped computers 
I don't. I I I believe everything. It's just I love this idea. It's like that uh, that guy who proved that you could um, capture keyboard strokes by. You know, doing a recording of the key of the keyboard of just the the pace. If you do an analysis, type. if you if you're able to compare enough actual typing with the sound of a person typing, you mm-hmm. can then decipher what they're typing just by the sound of the because keyboard. because you have a cadence, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Didn't does, Data yeah. do this in a TNG episode where he deprogrammed people with a light? That's I, right. I thought he I thought he was putting <coughs> the chips in and out of the engineering computer really fast. We got to wait for Jeremy to watch Bice that episode. Chips. I know. Yeah, don't ask this. We week. didn't get an update yet. Uh, I mean, Westworld, the same plot line where they, had, they were smuggling data off of Westworld by optical GPS. Like a GPS satellite was looking down at yeah. a robot and it was blinking and sending data out. Oh, I, I watched the whole series. I didn't even catch that. Did you say the, the robot who went rogue and they took the, is, she took the thing out of is the that what that was? arm? That was what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's Morse code at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. But easier, but like easier encoding. Binary. But it's in, it's in yeah. plain sight. No one... Thinks, oh yeah, my hard drive's blinking, or that light is blinking. That must be just mean it works. Well, it's I mean, thinking. Look, if if there's a <laughs> if there's a target that's compelling enough, somebody will figure out how to bypass whatever security measure. You know, whether it's centrifuges or or nuclear power plants or voting machines, everything is attackable. So put tape over your webcam. Put tape over your hard drive now, light. Do you but guys the... have tape over your webcam? No. What about your Oculus cameras? No. Mark Zuckerberg does. <laughs> He you think he has tape yeah. over his Oculus cameras? He yeah. has tape over his microphone, his his webcam. You saw it in the photos. Tape over the microphone doesn't do anything. That just muffles a little bit. Um, the thing is, you you still. I'm surprised that that LED is actually not wired in sync with like the actual data channel, just to activate when data flows. But there's through. multiple hard drives, so there's no there's oh, no, and, so it and has to be a, a modern model. motherboard has multiple yeah. multiple chipsets even. You're right. Yeah. So God. That's cool. Yeah, it's just software. That's it's good. It's all just software. That's good. It's like the webcam lights. <laughs> you like this? Yeah. Filthy is what it is. All right. Uh, a couple uh, bits of robot news. Uh, first of all, Motherboard has a story of a robot that plays ping pong exceptionally well. Did you guys watch this video? No. Table, table tennis. It's called Forpheus, and it's it has the... Uh, the Guinness World Record for being the first robot table tennis tutor. Look at this thing. Yeah, it looks like the MCP. <laughs> it does. Right? Mounted on top wow. of a table tennis table. And, and that's like a gantry with a robot arm. Um, but when you watch it play, it is insane how fast it plays. Oh, wow. What if you put two of them and pit them against each other? Oh, my God, I want this. It can switch handedness really seamlessly. <laughs> oh, that looks expensive. It looks very, very expensive. You know, what's other also expensive is the Boston Dynamics robot oh my God, uh, that was just terrifying. announced. This robot jumps and can go on a table. <laughs> it's it's a new rolling leaping robot and uh, what is its name? Um Handle is the name of the robot. You got to watch the video, Boston Dynamics. Uh, regardless of whether they're being funded by Google or not anymore, uh, they're still working on crazy robots and this one is um this one's very mobile it's, it's it seems like a, a, a new level scary a new level of mobility and, and scary yeah i wouldn't want to kick this one you know bill gates was talking about robots earlier uh this week he did an ama actually uh, yeah. but there was a video that bill gates did where he proposed an interesting idea of taxing the robots and the robot makers that create robots that would replace jobs as a as a revenue oh, stream that seems fair it seems fair. I mean, <laughs> I think so. Look, we have 7 billion people on the planet. Already a lot of them don't have jobs. Something has to, 
there has to be some way to make sure that those people don't starve to death and have a place to live. And if the jobs, if the robots are going to kill their jobs, then they should have a chance to fight the robots. Either get get money from the robots, or you know, fight them hand to hand and duel to the death. So I'm going to respond job. to the the first hand, first part of your argument before we get into the gladiator portion. Okay. The <laughs> so uh, I what we're asking about is sort of the moral obligation we have to all of the people on this planet in yeah. some capacity, and is a tax the best solution to that? Uh, Best way to implement it that. depends if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, I think what Jeremy said is probably right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- I look, I think alternative minimum income is something we should really explore, um, just because or or basic in- universal basic income, whatever you want to call it. Um, I I I looking at times when job destru- destruction has outpaced job creation adds societal chaos and if we want to avoid society some people seem to want societal chaos if we want to avoid societal chaos we need to make take a real hard look at what happens in 20 years when the information worker jobs are all have all been eaten up by machine learning right all the taxi drivers and uber drivers when autonomous cars roll out what you think they're going to need that cushion or want that cushion there's a reason uber is is hemorrhaging money every single day to build market, and it's because they they see a future where there's autonomous cars coming, and that they won't have to pay drivers anymore. Right. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, I, yeah. No, it's it's the progressive thinking. Yeah. So I mean, we could. The other yeah. alternative is just to let everybody starve to death. Right. You Do, know. Does Star Trek ever explain how they made that transition? They had a horrible instability in the 21st century. Well, it just seems like for, there's fewer people. It honestly just seems like in the Star Trek world, there are just fewer people <laughs> well, to there's feed. there's infinite space, too. And there's infinite resources in space because yeah. the the people without having to work for... I mean, also the replicators solve that problem. Right. In, but in the... Uh, replicator plus infinite energy. And yeah. if, in, infinite energy and infinite and no scarcity, basically. But if you, if you, if you, read, if you read the history, um, in the time, <laughs> in the time between now and first, first contact, yeah... Khan and his and his eugenics buddies came through and re- wrecked havoc on on uh, planet Earth before first contact. That's right. So, mm-hmm. we, like, look, we have something exciting to look forward to. You better get your martial arts skills up. The eugenics babies are coming, Jerry. So we basically have to get to infinite energy and replicators before the one percent becomes the like the point oh oh one percent, and they have all the money. Well, and and then there's also like life extension because if you live forever, then your ability to collect wealth indefinitely goes a long way. But then you're talking about uh, you're talking about Jupiter ascending. Yeah, yeah. Where they just harvest the people. I'll never talk about Jupiter ascending. <laughs> I don't understand why with replicators, why everyone didn't just turn into the Wally humans. And well, no, no, and that's have... the dark secret of Star Trek. Like the people who are on the spaceships, the people who who enlist in the Federation. Yeah, they're the people, the intellectual one percent. Who, even though there is infinite space and infinite resources, they still challenge themselves mentally and physically, and explore new and, and be, try to push humanity forward. There's a whole ten billion people on Earth in the Federation who are just like living out their free replicator lives. When yeah. when they go back to Earth, everyone's just drinking wine and having steaks. Do they ever cover that? I like, mean, do you ever see those? You see r- the hedonism planet. That's true, but that's a different planet. Yeah, yeah. Rise Well, I mean, they're all different. It's planets. a vacation planet. They're all vacation planets. Yeah. Like when I they go back to Earth, everything is everything is great on Earth, and a lot of people are just content to live on that planet yeah. and farm. Like when Picard goes back to France after Best of Both Worlds Part Two, I'm sorry, spoiling the future for you, you and, and your young son there. Yeah. But like he just like goes back to being a farmer in a w- wine country. Like there's just no need. But 
But no one's in a in a like a hovering lazy boy. They're not all fat. Well, that's because like, the food is the, the 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 replicator gives them exactly the food they need. Because they also have holodeck sex. <laughs> no, no, there's no holodex on the planet. What? Is that true? Yeah. What? No. The holodex are only for the tenth, for the thousandth of one percent that's on the spaceships. Because they're so energy consuming. Per, I don't. I mean, or because they're dicks. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it is. That's. I, I believe it's true because the fact that on Deep Space Nine you had to pay to use yeah. holo suites. That is. Oh. There is scarcity there. Yeah. Yeah. You had to well, pay. Deep Space Nine. Deep you had Space to pay Nine, to use. I think you had to pay for anything. Because you had to pay for time. Gold press latinum. It's a limited resource. So worthless, worthless Quark, gold. It was all about that press latinum. Right. Quark yeah. only has uh, four holo suites, and if there's three thousand people trying to go have VR se- uh, holo suite sex, <laughs> careful. Giant holo suite orgies. <laughs> then, then you know, like somebody has to go in there, and then they have to squeegee off the walls after it's done. That's a mess. Nah, that's that's Rom's job. Nobody wants that. Nog's yeah. job. Well, oh, sorry, Nog. And, that, and that's the thing. They Here's a squeegee. Rom- get clean, to work. Boy. Clean up in suite three. I want to join Starfleet. They, see, they implemented that tax on robots. That's why Rom still has a job to do. They, don't, they can't afford robots in Deep Space Nine. It's the frontier, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think that you know, yeah. Of I'm course, in to... the J.J. Abrams one, they're all just you know, the, 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 the plenty of people on the planet not not enlisting in Starfleet. It's not easy. They'd still go to school. They don't have the brain download. They have they have lots of Beastie Boys though still. Those oldies, oldies, the classical stations in the 23rd century, pretty amazing. Hey, Kishore, just to keep it real for a sec, any chance we'll see infinite energy in our lifetimes? Uh, that, those two words don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we'd say? And, what was Star Trek needed? Like, and ne- nearly we don't limitless. Need limitless energy? Near, nearly limitless. Like, there are definitely sources of energy that exceed, like, that we haven't tapped into. Yeah. That if we can... Imagine a future where we're able to store energy um, in a richer way that, yes, we'd be able to Like storage, you mean? Right. Like, that's not yeah. like, I mean, let, let go, let's go back to that Elon talk where he talks about just making solar, a solar farm the size of a small town or the size of a state that would be enough to power the planet. That's right. But it's all about the storage. Well, the future or you just put it on both sides of the planet and then it works itself out. Whether Pipes. or not. That's enough to power a replicator or even the voltage of a replicator? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the replicator. The replicator itself is – replicator and tra- uh, FTL travel is are, are the things that don't work. The the whole E equals MC squared where C is a really big number times itself is makes the E into M hard. Just got to warp space time. It's all good. Yeah, wormholes, baby. All right. <laughs> hey, let's get to something uh, that we can talk about that we're, maybe we are more experts on, iPhone rumors. Now that Will's back. Let's get Nothing I love more than a good iPhone, iPhone rumor. We did. Did, did we I do know. this last week? We did do this last week. There were new, new rumors oh, every good. week, All right. it seems like. Uh, and we did talk about last week how <clears throat> the, the, the big rumors, the, bigger, the higher end, more expensive, larger screen phone in the normal 4.7-inch form factor, um, and they may get rid of Touch ID to, in favor of front-facing facial recognition cameras. Uh, they yep. bought a company to, that has expertise in that. And now The Verge is saying that the latest rumor is that they will get rid of Lightning in favor of USB Type-C. I mean, that I would love that as a user, and it makes sense given the fact that they've moved to USB Type-C on literally every product that they have that is current. Well, only the MacBook, right? Well, I said that's current. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the other rumor that goes against that is uh, wireless charging. I don't. 
Mm. I mean, wireless charging could be a three-year thing from now, but I think we all agree that Apple, when they look into their future, it's wireless everything. They want to sell product with zero cables. That was Steve Lin's point, is that they want a portless iPhone. A portless MacBook and a portless iPhone. And power is the last thing you really need for... Yeah, as long as there's infrastructure around I, I, it. I so use as somebody who charges an Apple Watch every night. I don't like the ambiguity of is my Apple Watch charging? Do you get that sense from your watch? Is it charging? You mean charging? Okay, it doesn't have an indicator. I mean, it does, but it does. I just smack it on, and if I bump if I bump the nightstand when I put my glasses down or something, then I'll wake up in the morning and that watch will be half charged. Well, that's an infrastructure. That's the charge design. That's a design problem with the charging. Well, it is charging puck, but the, it, yeah. I mean, the nice thing about the cable is, even if you knock the phone off the side, it's going to dangle by the cable. Right. I mean, in in this in this future, right, in the Apple design house of the future, whatever, whoever whatever CE company, the charging surfaces are everywhere. There is no there is no ambiguity because everything is a charging surface. Every mm. like the once you're in a room and the watch is off or the phone is off or your the the laptop is on a table, it's charging. I get that the MacBook telegraphs that they're moving in a USB-C direction, but what's the incentive for Apple to do this? Because they get licensing for every single Lightning adapter that somebody makes for, as a third party. Why mm-hmm. would they want to switch to USB-C? Well, so the EU mandates that they have to have a USB port on every phone. So that means that every iPhone you buy in the EU comes with the dongle. Currently. That that USB-C, uh, USB, th- the mini, mm-hmm. mini micro. The one that's the flat one, not the yeah. one with the flanges. Micro. Micro to Lightning adapter. And they just want to have stopped doing that. They want to no. stop shipping it. They want to ship a sexier phone. Well, I mean, to the UK? other thing is, that presumably USB C is going to be faster. Three point one is going to be faster than Lightning. Yeah, but I don't also know that you need that. Here's the other and way we'll to interpret this too. rumor: is that on the phone it'd be Lightning. On the power end, they replace the USB A. That's what I was to to USB C because yeah. that's what's already on the MacBook Pro and the the MacBook um, the the wall warts. That was my USB C. When I read the story, that's what my assumption was. Yeah, and given. Um, given that they can, the, A, that they're making a bunch of USB-C wall warts now yeah. for the laptops and that uh, th- those plugs are on all the computers, it, it should, that makes more sense to me. I mean, in the I, same way that we talk about a world in the future where people don't understand the concept of owning a car, I could very well imagine a future where electronics, we don't, we look back and like, wow, people plug things in. Like where the plug is, and, and power is the last vestige of that. Yeah. Like it's because of how much the the, the the voltage you need to get through, like and wireless just can't deliver that yet. Well, I mean, and there's nothing saying that Apple won't revise Lightning. They revised the 40 pin dock connector multiple times to add new capabilities and new charging speeds and stuff like that. To 30 it. pin, yeah. Yeah, sorry, 30 pin. The the um, like back to Kishore's question about licensing. There's a there's an appeal to not owning hardware. In that if you're worried about, say, carrying data across international borders, if you don't own hardware, you drop your old phone off at the Apple store, wipe it when you when you leave the United States or leave Canada. And when you're on your, the other side of the border, you just go to the Apple store, pick it up and download your phone back to the download your data back to the phone. Um, like it's I don't I think that's a dark dystopian future we probably don't want to go to. But there there are there are good reasons to not own own hardware. Yeah, I, like, I don't disagree with that. Look, I'm I'm looking at my I have a Plex server in my garage, and I budget five hundred dollars worth of hard drives a year for it, because a I need more capacity, and b hard hard drives that spin all the time last three years or four years on the outside, shouldn't count on them lasting more than three years really. I just think it's a huge shift in consumer behavior and consumer psychology. 
Well, since we're all going to, all of our jobs are going to be gone by the robots and we're just going to be planting uh, tomatoes in the backyard to live, it'll, uh, it'll work itself out probably. I like tomatoes. <laughs> um, have any, any of you tried the Apple, uh, the AirBuds? No. I, I flipped AirPods, the case. AirPods. The case, fl- the flip on the case. Is, is it, really is it nice. a cultural phenomenon? You know, I've se- when I was at a CES, I saw in the CES Las Vegas taxi line, that long winding taxi line, I saw eight pairs what? of AirBuds. You're kidding me. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was more initially, and then I realized I was seeing the same people over again because it winds up so many, but it was oh. eight different people who just, had with the just AirPods. just like little things in their ears? With white I see them kind of a lot, ears. yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a, a, I've seen a lot of those. Huh. Like walking yeah. around, if you walk around um, like, like Second Street at lunchtime, uh-huh. you'll see them all over the place. No kidding. Yeah, and they're still back-ordered. Like, I think they do drops occasionally in the Apple stores, but if you order them online, it's still six weeks or so. Wow. Are you guys interested in those? No. Aren't they even hard? I mean, they're not even soft shell. I mean, I don't want... I hate that feeling in my ear. Yeah. Wireless, that kind of wireless connection. Just I, doesn't, no, wireless doesn't do anything for me when it comes to I love to wireless for headphones. Mm. Oh, I can't, no, I have no need for that. So what about these Doppler Labs Hear One earbuds? Have you no. heard of these? No. This, you might, they're soft. Uh-huh. And they're wireless. And this is – so the the big thing that I've read uh, with the Air, AirPods, and I am eventually going to get a pair because I want, I'm interested in how, how they work, uh, is that it is step one to the computing in uh, the movie Her, where the way you interface with your, your digital assistant and with your computer, a part of that is just built into whatever you plug into your mm-hmm. ear. And maybe you still hold a phone or some type of local computer device that that gets the, what's all your processing. The watch was kind of supposed to be that. Like the watch was supposed to, Siri was supposed to be your killer app, but it's not good. It's, it's, it's not great. Um, and so what the AirPods supposedly telegraph, because the AirPods are generate one to get the wireless signal down, because mm-hmm. you can actually adjust with like touch on the, the AirPods. No, you can't. You can't, you can't adjust, you, you can't to, tap it? You have to, you, you can tap it, but then you say, Siri, adjust the volume. Sure, but you, you ta- there's t- tap I activation. I think that there's a, there's a, I think it's an accelerometer. I don't think it's capacitive. Mm, got it. Um, but it's step one to making this type, what it's this, this accessory that, you know, they, they're charging 160 to $170 for now uh, over the next generations becoming more of an essential accessory for your phone, mm-hmm. your iPhone, right? Uh, the Doppler Labs here one, they're called smart earbuds because they're they are essentially just headphones earbuds, but they take noise cancellation technology. Mm-hmm. And what you can do when you put them in, they they're low profile, they're soft. You plug them in, um, they work as Bluetooth headphones. But you can then adjust the volume of sound passing through it into your ear. Okay. Wait, how? Oh, that's interesting. So like if you're in a clouded night crowded nightclub and you can't hear the person you're talking to, you can filter. You can it all filter out. out, or you can amplify so they become. They become hearing aids, or they can dampen the sound on an airplane what? or on a bus. Where is the battery on this thing? It's so small. It doesn't have the stick that the AirBuds have. Mm-hmm. Well, so where's the radio? The modern yeah. USB is is pretty, like, sorry, modern Bluetooth is really low power for this kind of data. But how long do they last? Do yeah. they indicate how many hours you get on it? So uh, I'm not sure about the. You're right. It's gonna. It's not gonna be like 24 hours wow. of listening. They have three microphones on each of the the earbuds, and they say it's zero latency. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the big innovation. They pa- it's pass through audio with zero latency. I could be si- having a conversation with you and basically turn you down or turn you up, um, and it does. 
filtering. Like you can imagine with equalizer technology, you can like you can hear the world differently. So th- I mean that and that software works really well. I was standing in Yerba Buena yesterday on the phone with someone next to that fountain, and I said, "Oh, hey, is it too loud here next to this fountain?" And she said, "What fountain? I don't hear a fountain at all." Because I was using the iPhone up to my ear and it used the five microphones or whatever to cancel out the to, to just not broadcast the the fountain noise. I I have uh, the contrast to that is I have a pair of he- headphones that are noise canceling that have a button you can press. So when the flight attendant on the airplane says, "Hey, would you like a drink?" you don't either yell or whisper to them, mm-hmm. and those don't work very well at all. So, so and also battery life here two hours. That's terrible. Terrible, and it takes an hour. To, How much to are recharge. they? Like five hundred dollars? Three hundred dollars. Well, what a bargain. Okay. So they're shipping in. It takes an hour uh, to recharge? I think so. Yeah. What? Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I had to That ratio that doesn't one. work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. If, I mean, if they were 50 bucks, I'd make a sacrifice for $50. I do think it's an interesting uh, gateway to augmented you know, biology, I, you know, where we're starting to add things to our body that we just wear to help our senses. I mean, obviously, people have been wearing hearing aids for a long time, but just the average you know, Joe on the street. The, the first. The f- when I first started at Maximum PC, like I hit the ground and they said, hey, I want you to write an article about wireless technology when Wi-Fi was brand new. And we had an infographic in there that was like the meet wireless dude. And it was a, a, a computer, a phone, a watch, a headset, and a pair of goggles all connected wirelessly to the, to the, to the PC that he was wearing on his belt. And like we're – okay, so we whiffed and nobody carries the computer and the phone probably for that. But everything else is there. You yeah. can get all the rest of that stuff today. And it's a, it was a terrible idea then. It's a really bad idea now. Hmm. Um, a bunch of other news happening uh, outside in the TV space. Uh, so in your set-top living space. I alluded to this earlier. YouTube and Google announcer live streaming service. Uh, this is the competition to PlayStation View and the AT&T DirecTV Now service, but it's just called YouTube TV. Wait, YouTube does live streaming. So no, no, that's like Twitch. This is like over-the-top TV. Yes. So this is via YouTube. Anywhere where you have YouTube, with YouTube app, and it's a brilliant thing to do to not have it be a separate app and separate thing. It's just going to be built into the YouTube app. You can now pay $35 a month a la carte and get, your local channels plus uh, ESPN, I what? believe, isn't it? Yeah, ESPN. There's some sports channels. So the only holdouts from um, most packages would be TBS this, and TNT. What about Discovery? NBC? You get MSNBC. Local channels you get. And uh, you get, actually, like, not MSNBC. You get, you get your local feed of your. Do you get network a Cartoon channels. Network and stuff, or is it all the Turner channels are off? So you do not get. Yeah, all Turner. the Turner is the. You don't get Viacom. You don't wow. get AMC, and you don't get Turner. So and no so TBS or TNT. Viacom is CBS, though, isn't it? Or CBS, CBS now. Uh, Viacom is CBS. Oh, you do get MSNBC. Yeah, so you get Nat Geo, MSNBC, Fox News, uh, Sprout. Wow. Um, and YouTube Red. A suite of sports channels, which well, is the real. comes with YouTube Red, so commercial with, free YouTube. Yeah. comes with commercial the, free YouTube. 35 bucks? 35 bucks a month, and you can add on Showtime, not HBO, though. And so I think what's interesting about wow. this is sort of twofold, is one... Um, uh, six devices, by the way, that you can watch on, That's uh, which is great. Wait, simultaneously? Six accounts shared, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, DVR capability. Hold on, is that six, six hooked up to the account or six simultaneous? That's an important distinction. So with phones and tablets and stuff, six goes fast. I believe, I believe it is six, um, six, access, six users 
can sign into it whenever they want. Yeah. Okay. That's good then. The 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 cloud DVR is a huge distinction from Sling, which is the yeah. you know the only <coughs> that and PlayStation well, PSU, View are the yeah. only ones out there right now. Do you have an idea how that but, works though? Is it like always recording, or is it only when you're watching? I think you have to set it to record, okay. but it's not super super clear yet about the interface for that. That's unfortunate but, because if they're delivering this through their data networks, it means they're recording everything. A, so there's yeah. no reason why you couldn't just type in the time and say sci-fi at 4 p.m. yesterday. Yeah. It, that's a rights then, thing though. So that, that basically what you're asking for is unlimited Netflix style streaming of everything that's on TV ever. And, yes, yes, and I am asking for that. If you wanted that. that, you would have to pay a lot more money. But the search of this is kind of interesting too, right? Look of all the data. I mean, Google does data really well yeah. and searches really well. So you would think that this interface is going to be incredible from well, that perspective. But it's also YouTube, so like well, the fact, 50-50 yeah. chance. But that's, that's, <laughs> that's where their power comes in. Like people f look for archive TV shows now on YouTube with all sorts of search. Yeah. And they know what's going to be popular. They know what people are searching for. Now it's just, it's like the Vivo model for music videos except for live TV and and hopefully TV clips and TV shows. Like, yeah. This makes all, I mean, having like Jimmy Fallon Late Night having their own channel almost a little obsolete because it's going to be bundled in or tied in. Like not obsolete, but it's going to dovetail nicely with whatever yeah. this live search is going to I work. mean, it's, it, it, this should drive way more traffic to those to those channels for TV shows. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to see Jimmy Fallon talk to Emma Stone, then like you can type that into search or you can watch it live and you'll probably search the same bar. Or if you're already watching it live, yeah. right after you finish watching that program, you can immediately in the sidebar click all the other clips from past episodes. Oh, and it's going to totally kill follow-on because if you're when you finish watching Survivor, it's not going to roll straight into whatever's next up. It's going to, I, I, I don't. Well, it's how people are consuming. It's how people are consuming streaming in live media. It's not just putting on the TV yeah. and leaving it on, which you can do, but it's on your laptops and your phones and your tablets. The fact that ESPN is doing this, but not an a la carte app, is an incredible fuck up on their part. ESPN it is to doing devalue. ESPN is doing standalone uh, a service later this year. I, I know, but the fact that this is out before that means yeah. that. I'm much less willing to pay fifteen or twenty dollars a month for ESPN when I can just pay thirty-five to YouTube and get everything. Yeah, this is true. Unless there's there's some catch that we're not seeing, like the well, ESPN I mean, services yeah. will be limited on YouTube compared to what you get on the standalone. I mean, that's possible. Yeah. And you're saying all the networks are your local area networks, so I get the San Francisco news yes. on NBC. Yeah. Hmm. And and like the other interesting thing is. I can't remember what it was. It was, was it the Super Bowl maybe that was blacklist blacked out on um on Sling and PS View. And that'll be the same here. Yeah. Because of the deal the NFL has with Broadcast, Verizon. Yeah. Oh no, it's Oh, with it's Verizon, Verizon blocks yeah. that? Oh. So I could watch that on my phone but not on my TV. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how much of a threat this is to company AT&T and Comcast if you're already going to have to pay for them for your internet. Uh, but if you have a, you know, if you have a third-party internet provider, they're just they're giving away TV at this point. It's way that's way cheaper than I'm like I just renegotiated my Comcast contract and even with like the one-year promotional rate, I'm still paying more than $35 a month for TV just and for TV. Those well, are the channels I watch. I wasn't with my one-year promo, it was cheaper to get TV. Than to just do internet. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually upgraded my speed and lowered my price, and I got TV for free. I don't even have the cable box hooked up. Oh, I. But at least now I can sign in and get the digital stuff. I got, um, I got, I got, I got them to eat the the unlimited, the yeah. the extortion fee. So is this gonna work on the Apple TV YouTube app? 
Because that's a huge win for YouTube. This must. Anywhere and, where YouTube is. And people who have an Apple TV with a YouTube app on it. Well, you know, in Apple TV, one of the things, if you load up like uh, ESPN, it starts playing live video immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of interface I would love to see more of, especially for things things like this. I see. I don't, as somebody who's a kid, I really don't like that because like we end up watching, we, we like the Disney Channel app does that too. And that is not an accident because you, you will immediately start playing something that you don't never, ever want to let your kids see mm. as soon as you fire up that app. So well, yeah, you want to curate. Yeah. For the kid. We want to make sure that she only sees stuff that's not going to make us crazy if we watch it a million times. All right. Um, Xbox, Microsoft for GDC is announcing a new subscription service. Subscription services are very in. Uh, this is a new Game Pass. That's $10 a month, and it is access to over 100 games um, for like the Xbox One thing? and backward compatible. Uh, it is, uh, I'm not sure about the EA Access thing. It's not streaming. So it's download and discover uh, full games um, lo- played locally, uh, but has a library currently of 100 Xbox games um, from publishers like 2K, um, Capcom, Sega, um, no EA. Is this on top of your gold subscription? I, it's on top of your gold How subscription. How much is it? 10, 10 bucks, a, bucks month. a month. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a rental service. But I mean, it's a subscription. It's like, a subscription rental service. The games that they have on the front of the list are two and four years old, respectively, and then Mad Max, which wasn't any good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, okay, I guess if you have a kid, uh, and they're not a discerning child. I mean, the point is that it's dude. There's some good games on here. I mean, Halo Five was okay. The point is, it's laying the foundation. Like, two years from now, when Scorpio comes out, right, a year uh, later this year, or a year or two as they build up more relationships. Uh, it's just like Netflix starting off small. Like maybe this is the service that if Microsoft really wants to push hard, they're going to give like two day early access to for the next Halo game. Well, they're yeah. already doing that for for uh, the deluxe edition of pre orders, so they're not exactly. going to do it for. Well, they could they, they could absolutely do it. I mean, I guess or early DLC, right? Like they want to get people trained to pay for I content just... as opposed to buying as opposed to spending sixty dollars. I mean, they know the stats of attach rates and what the average monthly spend is uh, every month for the years of releases for their consumers. And it maybe makes a lot of sense for them to do, you know, $10 a month. You know, that's $120 a year. Um, so if someone's, if people are paying, they're buying fewer than two games a year, then it makes Getting sense. Getting them on this makes Well, so, so here's the, there's a curve on game sales, right? Like it spikes on the day that the game comes out and then trails off pr- pretty slowly for a week or two, depending on the game and which platform you're on. And price. These games don't cost 60 bucks. Right. Well, Halo 5 still is probably pretty expensive. Uh, and then there's a cliff that they go off eventually, and probably they move them into this after it goes down the cliff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I worry about stuff like this because it devalues games for in people's minds. You know, when you look at what Nintendo's doing with the Switch service where you get one game a month and it's only around for a month, that's kind of bad for consumers and it doesn't fit with what we've become accustomed to with the games for gold and the PlayStation Plus thing. This is Microsoft saying, hey, our attach rate on our console is bad because people, if the people have both consoles, they're buying, they're buying the PS4 version and we need to get more people spending more time on this platform. I mean, yep. that's, that's, I, I'm not sure that this is a good thing for the market as a whole, though. 
All right. Like, like sales already make people think, oh, I should never pay $60 for a game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if everybody stops paying $60 for a game, guess what? Mm -hmm. We're not going to have any AAA games in three years. I mean, maybe the way they should really position this is a way to replace people hoarding their games. Like, we all have boxes of, of games that... You know, yes, it's our library, and we can pull out and, and play. And, and I don't know how often I I do that. Take a disc out, install the game, and play it. If it's a blanket, if this becomes a service where it's a blanket, any game older than two years old is a part of this. And as opposed to having to keep boxes and boxes of games, I can play any game two years older or two years or older, and it's paid ten dollars a month and download it. And you know, I that's, have fiber. Then then that's that's well worth it. In that, yeah, if it's not selective, that's that's much more interesting. Yeah. Um, on the PC side, we also have some PC hardware announcements. Uh, last week, we saw an AMD CPU announcement, um, exciting eight-core CPUs. This week, on the graphics side, NVIDIA has announced their new top-of-the-line video card, the GeForce 1080 Ti. $700 Ooh. card, oh. <laughs> 35% faster than a 1080. Really? Faster than the Titan X. Is it a process shrink? Uh, no, it's just uh, higher clock speeds and way more cores. Wow, really? It's going to be loud as hell, isn't it? It is. Well, the 1080s were very efficient, power efficient, and overclockable yeah. already. Um, so 11 gigs of RAM, wow. I believe. And uh, the current 1080 gets a price drop to $500, and this is all coming out next week. Why not a power of two on the memory? Why um, 11 gigs? I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure if I'm, I'm right about the 11 gigs. It is. You're right. 11 gigs. Are yeah. they going to price drop the 1080? Yeah. So say? 500 bucks. That's oh, not okay. that much of a price drop because they're 500 bucks now. They're not 500 bucks now. If you go they're, to Amazon tens... right now and look for a 1080, you'll get it for 500 bucks. That's a bucks. great price. But you for you could pay $200 more and get 35% more performance. Well, not. I mean, $200 is, is, is a lot also. It's $200 you can be spending on VR hardware or, or games. He's got baller checking. I do a baller checking. <laughs> and our last piece of technology news, uh, Alexa is now um, going to recognize different people in your house. It's like they've been voices. listening to the podcast. It's what you wanted. This is great. So is it pitch base, like younger kids, or is it actually creating imprint, voice prints? I, I'm going to say that. And I'm going to say pitch is a part of it. It's mm. 550 for a 1080 right now. This, this is for phenomenal. the low end one. This is great. Now they say the use case of this is because then you have tighter controls on who can make purchases. With I love your it. Yeah, Alexa. Bring but that's it. not why I want. I my voice is my passport. Yeah, but I I want actually like a different interface for the kids. My daughter can only play Katy Perry's Roar twice a day. That's it. I want Alexa to cut twice? her off. Cut twice. her off after once. that. Once. I don't think they're allowed <laughs> for that kind of granular control. No, I don't either, but I want it. This is great. No, I can't wait. This is fantastic. This is just what I wanted. This is what it should do to begin with. I, I have an Alexa in my office now because my yeah. daughter will stand at the thing in the living room and go, Alexa, 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 and wait for the blue light to come on. And then it comes on. Oh, sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, send Will Smith $10. Um, yeah. And then she uh, then she says what she wants and it doesn't do it. And she's sad. So I'll just whisper to Alexa in the office and say, Alexa, turn on the lights in the living room. Nice. That's a yeah. good daddy move. Yeah. Are you happy about this? I don't care. You don't care. Do you use profiles? <laughs> what are profiles? Oh, so you like? If I'm you, not an Alexa power user, Jeremy Williams. You know how you diff have different Amazon accounts, you and, and your wife. You can each no, have. We an, actually don't. Oh, really? No. Okay. Well, you can. Okay. And uh, you can have different profiles to associate with different Amazon accounts, oh. so that you can order from one person's account or the other. Interesting. Um, or their, you know, their Prime library or what have you. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
Have you started tracking your children's Alexa searches no. using the Alexa app? Oh, no, man. I'm a little scared about that. But yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point <laughs> right? that one could do that. Yeah. As long as you are the the uh, the supervisor account, you can see every voice query wow. in the in the Alexa app, what people have asked it. No one man should have all that power. Yes. This is just another example of, of Amazon being at the forefront of this Star Trek computer movement. I love it. And And... You know, a lot of people would say that they have concerns about privacy here, but I know that's that's the sacrifice a lot of people are also willing to make for convenience and uh, what they would say progress. Um, before we jump into our next segment, I also want to thank the other sponsor of this week's podcast, and that's uh, Crizal No Glare Lenses. Um, in addition to helping me see better, I expect my eyeglasses to stay clean and clear. But if you're wearing glasses, then you know that's not always the case. Thankfully, Crizal No Glare lenses are tested to protect against annoyances like fingerprint smudges, uh, scratches, and glare, so you can focus on what's going on around you rather than through your lenses, which means you don't have to worry about your lenses getting dirty when you take them on and off or getting scratched when you clean them in your shirt. Crizal No Glare lenses even make it safer for you to drive at night by reducing reflection caused by headlights of oncoming traffic. Look better, feel better, and more importantly, be prepared for whatever comes your way with clear vision. Go to crizal.com, that's C-R-I-Z-A-L.com to learn more and start living life in the clear. Do-do-do-do. It's time for a moment of science. Anyone have a uh, seventy million dollars they want me borrow? Yeah, I'll send that right over. Yeah, right, you want I, a I, EFT or a check? Um, it's make it out to Elon because I'm going to okay. use it to, for a, a trip to the moon. Oh, hey, you and I are going to be on the same flight. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, two we're, seats, we're, we're right? Guys, yeah. yes. Hey. High five. Two, training starts later this wait year. Wait a minute. Is it to the moon or just around the moon? I think it's just around. Look, it's pedantics. <laughs> further than any human has gone. Well, uh, no, that's not true. It's not true. <laughs> well, I mean, it actually, it depends on the orbit. Like, yeah, I've, 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 the I have played a lot of Kerbal, and you can do a cislunar orbit insertion that will put you way out past Look, the MUN. All, all I want is that slingshot around the moon that'll take me into the that, <laughs> that'll take me into the the past, so I can save some whales. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go around the sun for that one, not the moon. Can you guys actually tell me what the news is? Uh, the news is is that sp- N- Norm and I are going to the moon. Norm- science, you already heard it. Well, let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're going to start a Kickstarter to support your efforts to go to the moon. Okay. Elon Sounds Musk good. announced a new endeavor for SpaceX by 2018 that he will launch a vehicle. Let's call it that. Um, that will take two. two people around the moon and back. So I think it's three people, S- isn't it? But two of them are passengers. Yeah, two passengers, and the and the. <laughs> right? That'd be really scary. <laughs> like billionaires, like okay, yeah, like we'll put you guys. You got to get training, right? Yeah. Okay. Elon Musk pushing Jeff Bezos inside. Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, the uh, in a private press conference, they indicated the cost for uh, per passenger would be thirty-five million dollars. There's some indications there would be some of the reusable rockets that we've talked about relanding on barges being part of this. That's why there's so much cost savings, that number seems off by a factor. Of um, 10? Like, uh, I actually think the it's probably off by a factor of like six or so. You think it's it should cost um, in the it hundreds cost, of millions of dollars? Yeah, to, somewhere north of $150 million. Yeah. So the, the path this is going to take, is, they say, is going to be a slingshot around the moon, and it's going to get close to the surface 
right? It's oh, right. Gonna... There's no atmosphere. You can get real close, right? Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Um, and it is the two people have already bought their tickets to wow. unnamed billionaires. Do you think this is the same ex-Google exec who did the um, the uh, the weather balloon drop? Or not the weather balloon, the... the uh, who beat Felix Baumgartner right after the the one oh. year? Uh, who that secret training mission? Who who do you think these people are? It's not Jeff Bezos. Bezos has his own rocket ship company. Yeah, he's not going to exactly. piss away money on this. Yeah. It's look. There's enough billionaires. You know, we don't know them all. Wait, I'm just going to name names. I think it's Stuart Butterfield. I don't know why. I'm just throwing that name <laughs> Is out. Is he there. a billionaire? Sure, close enough. At this okay. point, fastest growing company in the world, right? Yeah, but I don't think that makes you a billionaire. Well, what does he run? What's Slack. The, Slack. What's the Uber guy? He could be doing this. Calumet wants to get off this planet. Imagine right how now. pissed you would be if you spent thirty-five million dollars on a space on a space trip and like you were stuck in a capsule so, for four days with the guy in charge of Uber. <laughs> 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 this week's podcast is brought to you by Elon. Five stars for Falcon. So, just a note: there are some problems here, and I think one of the problems is that Elon's been very, very critical of the SLS system that NASA has been putting, which is their space launch system, to get a, which is the first step in one of their many steps to get uh, a crewed mission to Mars, and that this seems to be sort of a a way of attacking the integrity of that system by sort I, of challenging it. Do you think that? Way. I think that, I do. I think that this is. Hey, we missed our Red Dragon window, so we need to do something else that's going to keep the keep the investors interested. Oh, I mean, it, there's that's that's probably reasonable, but NASA wasn't so happy with this announcement on well, a lot they, of levels. They issued a release congratulating them and saying they loved continue working with these private in- companies. Yeah, it was, was very diplomatic. Shade? Was there like a subtweet in there? No, like, I don't think so. Hope everything goes okay. I mean, it, it's a lot of talk, right? Elon makes a lot of promises. They yeah. like making these press conferences. One, obviously, to make the investors happy and to create excitement around SpaceX. Uh, but they are sa- he was saying that there is a market for one or two of these flights a year after 2018, 2019. Um, n- not, if, not if anything goes wrong. Imagine, I mean, going, imagine it, yeah. the pressure. So my real problem with it is just Pure masturbatory. It's it's just rich people flying around the moon for no reason. Like, well, it, it's so that when you go to a billionaire cocktail party, you can say, "Hey, how was your moon trip?" Oh, you haven't been yet. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what space is about. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that, I, and I think that's uh, that's uh, like at the core what I, I it strikes me as problematic is I'm not really clear why. What is the what is the how does this help? The, the future Presumably missions. this makes money and they learn stuff doing these these longer duration missions. Yeah, and, and if they let the billionaires be guinea pigs, that's fine. There's lots of evidence in, in the space race's history yeah. of that happening. So there's reason to be confident about it. But it, do, it do, doesn't it bother you on some level as just like, you know, a peon on Earth? I, like, look, I think what we should do is start a lottery. And if we get the appropriate number of tickets... Everybody who buys a dollar ticket gets a one in seventy million chance to get on the space mission, assuming they can pass the physical. It's actually better odds than the current lottery, right? It's well, actually it's got to be really hard to be a billionaire because there's not a whole lot of things you can <laughs> spend thirty five million dollars on. Tweets to <laughs> at Jerware. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, so so like if you think about the private space flight that R- Richard Garriott and uh, um, Anushche and Sari did, there's. Like that, that funded Russian space program when Russia was collapsing, when the Soviet Union, post Soviet Union collapsed. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with them making money off of people who have a shitload of money to do something cool and, and that pays for some, some more commercial spaceflight exploration. 
I agree if that was more... I, I want that to be more explicit. But they if, can't say... Yeah. He can't come out and say, look, billionaires. Hey, oh, look, they won't care. Look, other billionaires. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't... I. There's a lot of space out there. there. There's lots of things that SpaceX I've gotten deeply excited about. This is probably not in my top five this year. The Falcon Falcon Heavy. Falcon Heavy. I'm going to Florida for that one. I've decided. I want to. I want to see when that is it launching. It's later this year. Wow. Uh, two other quick stories. Uh, I found out earlier today that Will Smith likes Subway, and mm. I do too. I eat at Subway a I lot. I don't like Subway. I wouldn't say I like Subway. Okay. I would no say one that I Subway. eat at Subway. I eat at Subway regularly. I best describe it, the walking past a Subway. There's a unmistakable cloying musk of their bread, and oh, I cannot I like stand that it. Smell. We <laughs> ate at Subway a lot when we worked at Future. When when the nearest I restaurant was a Subway, yes. it's yes. like it's the healthy fast food. Yeah, I but, wish but it's were, really not. I if, if if I could choose Arby's or Subways, I would get rid of every Subway and replace with oh, Arby's. We can find no out. We can test this. We can get some DNA kits. We can walk into a Subway. Mm. We can test their meat to see how much of it is actually meat. Mm. What's well, your Subway order, Kishore? I like it. If I Do you have a if I don't care about myself, it's the Italian BMT. Oh yeah. I like a spicy Italian, mm-hmm. little uh, toasted, little chipotle sauce, just a light chipotle. I'm Lettuce, oil, tomato, green peppers. Oil and vinegar, salt and pepper. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It might be lunchtime here. Uh, but the CBC went to Subway and tested their chicken. What's the CBC? See, uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Oh, okay. Uh, went to Subway and actually tested their chicken to see how much of it was chicken using DNA tests. And they found... I think the shocking headline is that they found it was about 50%. And the rest is yoga mats? It's mostly fillers and salt. This is in the things that look like pieces of chicken? Yes. Wow. (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, The subway has responded with one of the strongest worded um, press releases that I've seen in a long time, saying they want a retraction immediately, uh, and they, they totally dispute any of these findings and how they were conducted. Mm. It uh, turns out when you put TV people in front of in charge of science, things sometimes get a little sideways. So I wouldn't read too much into this yet. No, I it, just like the yoga mat chemical thing, which was overdone. Uh, I'm not sure. Like uh, I think this is uh, that much of a story, except the high salt content in the in their food because salt is cheap, which is something that's been known for a long time. And I think that's really the the hidden cost of a lot of the fast food items is like they're putting it's, loading up salt. It's not just fast food items, yeah. all the way up to the finest of fine dining. When we had uh, Tracy Desjardins on to make omelets years ago, she said explicitly the amount of salt, the reason restaurant food tastes good is because we put about three times as much salt, at least butter and butter as you would ever do at home. So I just started putting more salt and butter in my food at home and then everything tasted super dope. And then your doctor was like, stop that. And my doctor was like, if you want to eat like this, you need to exercise more. And I was like, whatever. I'm going to go play badminton. All right. Yeah. I have one last thing, not to uh, uh, get our allies uh, range inducing, but there are a number of bills ahead of state legislatures right now uh, that are teach the controversy type bills. Oh boy. So in Indiana, Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, the bill failed in South Dakota. There's a number of uh, state bills that are designed to uh, either – uh, encourage teaching of the controversy around biological evolution or um, encouraging teaching of alternative ideas 
to biological evolution in science classes. What? When did Republic like? Can we all agree that science is what let us beat the Russians in the Cold War? You know, we we outspent them on space and military and all these other things because we had really good scientists. We spent more money on that stuff than anybody else. I thought it was Noel Emmerich and the Americans. I don't, okay. I, don't, I, don't I thought it was the, the 1980 Americans. Miracle on Ice Hockey game. That was pretty good, too. <laughs> but, like, when did science become an enemy of the G- the GOP platform? When and it started costing I, money. I, Norm I don't is so think nervous. This is I'm a, sorry for bringing this up and asking this question. I don't think this, this is a partisan thing. It's an ideology thing. I think there's this... Um, I think this is driven by um, a really specific set of people that want, uh, that see the teaching of evolution as contrary to their uh, religious and philosophical beliefs. And I think the hard part for me is like, you know, when I think about my kid growing up and like what career I want for him, I want him to be able to like be a doctor. Yeah. And you can't do that unless you take biology classes where they talk about evolution because it's the foundation of so many other sciences. So yeah. that's the real shame here. I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are doing incredible work on this, the National Center for Science Education especially. I just want to say, I think that these bills is why you hear so much chatter about scientists running for local office mm. these days, school boards, local legislatures, because that's where these decisions are made. And uh, I hope, people um, take up the the fight against this just because I would like to think that science is what will be taught in science class. You know, uh, I, I watched a video um, recently. Do you see the, you see the Tucker Carlson, Bill Gates interview? Bill you know, Nye. Uh, Bill, I'm Bill sorry, Nye. Bill Nye interview. It was infuriating. Six seconds. Um, yeah, six seconds before Bill Nye was interrupted by t- every time Tucker Carlson tried to ask a question. And, and yes, he is a, uh, Tucker Carlson is uh, a Huge. pretty hostile TV personality. Uh, but the just trying to pick apart what he was trying to do mm-hmm. in this in this uh, TV segment. So it was on Tucker Carlson's show about climate change and bringing Bill Nye in. Like first, just prefacing Bill Nye's introduction in a very hostile way by picking some choice language from Bill Nye quotes, um, and and then not having a discussion. What you could do, anyone could call a discussion or anything constructive at all. It was it was a, it was a circus for for TV, right? Um, but that approach, that type of making something serious and real into a performance, uh, is what's happening in politics a lot these days. Have you watched Network lately? Not no. It just makes me angry. Yeah, it's you're mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And it seemed like a it seemed like a. Uh, um, uh, parody in the I mean I was too young to watch it when it came out but it seemed like it seemed like something that was a joke and now it's real yeah I mean my Twitter feed last night is indicative of this so um, hopefully we can be better all right uh, let's get to our our big segment this week the VR minute virtual reality this week thinking about getting another oculus sensor it's a good time oh why 
Well, they're a little cheaper now. Amazing segue again. So big news out of GDC this week uh, on the Oculus side. So we have a lot of news actually in, in all VR. Um, from Mobile World Congress, something we won't talk too much in depth about, Samsung Gear VR has a new controller uh, that's going to give them parity with Google Daydream. It's basically a rotationally tracked controller with buttons on it for Gear VR. And some games will, will work with that you know, as opposed to using a gamepad. But on the Oculus Rift side, the dedicated VR PC, PC VR side, uh, Rift is now cheaper by a hundred dollars and touch is now cheaper by a hundred dollars so 150 bucks for touch or 200 bucks so wow. oculus touch the two touch controllers plus the second sensor will now cost you just a hundred dollars that's a 50 percent price drop in the two and a half months three months since touch was released uh, which is pretty significant so i have two questions a does that make you mad as early adopter yeah it, it makes me a little bit mad especially uh, well, the way yes, the answer is yes. It, it it makes me mad that I we recommended to people to buy Touch immediately, and I don't regret that recommendation because it yeah, is an it essential part. But I do feel burned a little bit. And yes, we did get the pre-order games. We got the Unspoken, and we got VR Sports Challenge, and those pre-order games are no longer bundled with the Touch. Did you get Medium too? Medium, everyone gets Medium. Oh, everyone, everyone gets Medium. medium. Everyone gets Quill. Everyone gets Toy Box, and everyone still gets, I believe, uh, Dead and Buried. Okay. Um, I think Touch is worth two hundred dollars. Well, I, I agree. About it. Yeah, and but hundred dollars is a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and uh, the price of a th- uh, of an extra sensor now, camera sensor, has gone down from eighty dollars to sixty dollars. Now, if you did buy Touch for the full two hundred dollars within thirty days, uh, they're going to give you a fifty dollar Oculus Store credit to basically buy another game or another two games if you want. Yeah. Or the Rift, right? I mean, I, th- I think it applies to both. Uh, I'm not sure if it applies, but I, I think okay. you're right, though. Um, and the way they split up this price drop into both the SKUs is also interesting, something that Jeremy and I talked about at length in our show. Uh, are they taking a loss on the hardware now? Is no, no, no. Think? I actually asked about that. The, the, um, I wanted to know if they actually were able to reduce the cost of manufacturing in the past year of the Rift as well as the, you know, the touch three months out. Uh, and apparently so. Apparently, the, you know, Nate said that their ops team has been hard at work, you know, trying to get those costs down, and now they're just passing that savings on. They've always framed them their sales as, uh, you know, trying to give away the hardware close to cost. And so, the, uh, you know, according to th- their story, that's th- what they're still doing. It's, I mean, six hundred bucks. The, like that is. I think this has to be a response to the the stuff Tim Sweeney said a few weeks ago about the sales numbers for the Rift and the Vive. And that the Vive was basically outselling the Rift two to one. Well, in terms of sale numbers, uh, the only company that's given out sales numbers is Sony PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And New York Times had a story. Uh, there's not a lot of GDC news for PSVR, but except for the fact that Sony has announced they've sold over 915,000 PSVR units. Mm-hmm. Now, PSVR is an accessory to a game console. And uh, people approach those things. It, it, is, it was the most cost-effective way to get mm-hmm. into motion-tracked, VR, uh, Vive was the most expensive way, and Rift. If you want all in, yeah, they both cost eight hundred dollars. But at least Rift offered the option for you to buy the six hundred dollars thing first. You could only buy it, that thing first last year until December, when you could then buy Touch for an additional two hundred dollars. Well, but the Rift was also um, you have to buy that extra camera. I, I I really I firmly believe you have to buy the third camera for the Rift. No, I disagree. I mean, I think all the games for Rift are designed for two camera. Okay, if you want to use the Rift with Steam VR, you have to buy the third camera. Your best, and I think if you don't use the Rift with Steam VR, you're probably missing out on a lot of really interesting stuff. I mean, we played a game last night. We'll get to this later, but 
that third camera would have been really useful. Uh, I, I was constantly fighting with the third camera, with not having the third camera plugged in. And that's why for them, for Oculus, uh, as we chatted with Nate, um, you know, they're getting rid of the experimental label on room scale and a lot of... Uh, this in, year. In this year, yeah. uh, eventually, and a lot of that has to do with their improved tracking with the new 1.12 release. They they know they messed up with the 1.11 release with tracking room setups for people with three cameras and people running room scale setups. And uh, their whole documentation, I think the thing that they've done really well and they're really focused on is the onboarding experience. Once you buy a, a setup, if you either buy a pre-built PC or built your own PC, setting up the Rift is really easy. And that's not to say the Steam VR setup process isn't comprehensive. It's just that they made the setup for the Rift like the lowest common denominator. It just it works, and they walk you through everything. And they weren't comfortable not having that type of experience for the room scale without the tracking being done right. Well, and and like the cable lengths mean that the way the the three camera positioning for the room scale means that that most people are going to have to buy some sort of extension cable. They should really put that in the box cuz some extension cable like I went through three extension cables before I found one that worked. Is there no extension with it, a third sensor? Uh, so I you in fairness I used I have a couple of dev kits that they provided yeah. and I used one of those cameras for the third sensor. So I don't know what comes Nate in. Nate told us a year ago that the third sensor would come with an extension with cable. With an extension cable. Okay, so then that's just me. I'm not sure if it does or not. Yeah, um, I, I don't have, I didn't buy a separate third camera. What uh I yeah, I'm I'm interested to know what people like how many Oculus people are doing Steam VR stuff and how many people Oculus people are only buying stuff from home. I think you're absolutely right that if you are if you own the Rift and Touch, you should be buying stuff from Steam VR. It's the stuff that's going to be the most versatile if you decide later on to change platforms. And the only real benefit of buying stuff on home if it's available on both is for the matchmaking. Yeah. I I play well, a lot so, of- but but assuming if it's the games on both platforms, presumably some sometimes they'll only like for example um, what was the game that launched uh, that was locked into the Oculus um, pre-built oh, Eve Valkyrie was for a while that's what it was yeah yeah the um, the thing the onboarding so I recently reinstalled Windows and reset up my Rift and my Vive and I was really shocked at how like when I go around and do demos in places I often use other people's hardware now because a lot of people have Vive set up in their offices and most people don't know how to fit the Vive. Like they don't know how to fit the strap on your head, so they're wearing it too high or have it way too tight or whatever. The rifts, the the new onboarding for the Rift does such a good job of teaching you how to fit that that headset the proper way so that it's comfortable. Hmm. It's really really well done. Yeah. Um, so the price drop, obviously, good news for people who maybe are on the fence. And what yep. it tells and it, what it tells me is that we're not going to see Rift two this year. Like the focus for this year, clearly. Really? You think, think a price drop means they're not going to... I think a price drop means that there's new something new coming. I think the price drop means that they need more people to buy the games, yeah, to buy the headsets, and then buy the games. Mm. And then I, I think at earliest, we'll see something next year for this end of next year. Maybe. Like It's going to be console life cycle, and I think we're okay with that. We didn't. We don't want to have to spend $600, $600 to $800 every year for new hardware, even though right. the, the improvements are coming. Let's get the software out there, get people experimenting, figuring out what's going to be the best types of creative or of gaming or content experiences in the platform. You know, make improvements Oculus Home to the interfaces, uh, both on Steam VR and Oculus Home. I think those could be... Well, the platforms. Yeah, like the, the actual there's no, software. There's no DLC delivery mechanism on Oculus yep. right now. The matchmaking, the social environments, all of that needs to work on. Spend money on that. 
Like, yes, Facebook has a lot of money. Uh, Valve has a lot of money. But there's only a m- so much amount of brain power you can put onto these projects. And well, just also increasing the installed base is important because there's a lot of great multiplayer games out there without enough players in line to play with you. Yeah. It, well, and, and they also... Like because they have the rigid head strap and their headset's really comfortable and they have the integrated audio, they don't have an obvious upgrade, like like HTC does for the existing headsets with the Vive. Yeah, and they and they I don't think they care about that. Like HTC needs to sell new accessories or new things to make their numbers every year. You know, not the same. You're not going to have more people buy Vives this year than last year. They had the big surge last year, so they need to sell tracker pucks and rigid head straps this year. And speaking of which, they did announce pricing for that at GDC. So it's going to be $100 for the tracker, uh, the HTC tracker, and yeah. also $100 for the deluxe audio head strap, which I think that's a great price for the head I strap. I think both of those things are really fair prices. Me too. Yeah. Are you going to get one of those deluxe audio straps? I'm getting I'm getting two of the two pucks, pucks probably per recording that we do because then mm-hmm. we can track feet, which would be really convenient. Yeah. And the head strap will be literally the... I, I'm going to try to be the first in line to buy that. Have you used that yet? No. Norm said it was great. Really? It's it really is a balance. I mean, because the vibe is a little bit heavier. Yeah. Um, not having to fool with headphones is is worth it on its own. If yeah. the rigid head strap makes it more comfortable, even better. Uh, I, You know, I used I used a headset the other day that had that cloth... The cloth cover on the on the padded foam, uh, Vive the, the, the Vive, VR cover the VR cover holy cow that makes a big difference hmm. it was much much more comfortable to wear hmm. than the scratchy foam um, and then Valve also is going to be selling base stations directly so you don't have to buy them through HTC the base stations through HTC the ones made by HTC were a hundred and thirty dollars uh, but Valve is also going to be um, Making ba- tracking space stations available later this year. Didn't we see a design change too? There's yeah. just one motor. They did tease that. I don't know if this is going to be with the new one design single motor base station uh, or if it's the current dual motor one. I hope it's a single motor one. That's essentially cost savings. Yeah. Cost yeah. savings and also uh, s- stability. Did they announce anything about changing the way that like will you be able to have more than the two per room or can you have overlapping fields or anything like that? Don't know. Okay. Not sure yet. Um, have you guys tried the TP Link stuff yet? Yes, we did at CS. Oh, okay. Yeah, so wireless was is, is the big question, right? Like, what's next for uh, VR? Is it on? Um, is it the new interface controllers? Like, Valve is not gonna be afraid. So, like, when we talk about price drops and market saturation, it's good for VR that we have two companies now that are really trying to make price mainstream. Mm-hmm. PSVR, obviously, and which they've sold almost a million units, and Oculus, uh, yes. Um, PSVR, I think they got a lower price point initially by maybe making some compromises in the tracking fidelity. You have to use their existing camera system. And they've been open to saying that maybe a future version of PSVR, once you've gotten people accustomed to it, to changing up the tracking solution. Can you rem- remind me, if you just have a PSVR, you need the camera, the two move wands, and the headset. How much is that? The two move wands are optional. I know, but if you wanted all that. It was 500 bucks for everything. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was uh, 300 for... Three, three something for the headset, and then fifty bucks for the Move Ones okay. uh, plus the camera package. Um, and uh, on the Rift side, you have the price now at six hundred dollars. Plus, you can get like a six hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar pre-built PC mm-hmm. to run it on. Um, and they're going to they're going to they're going to be content trying to get as many people buying that, and then buying games and, and they're funding games. That's great for people like us who want to play VR games regularly. And on the Valve side, I don't think they care about how many people have it. 
they have enough money. They know pe- the people are excited about it, and there's enough of a niche audience to continue supporting it. Where they they will be happy to release a new controller system that will replace the wands this year if they wanted well, it's, to. Well, but I mean, it's not a, it's the it's the biggest desktop VR audience there is. Um, but they're and, they're not and, afraid of cannibalization. They don't need market saturation before to to release new hardware. Well, they they want new stuff out as soon as it's they think it's ready. It's still so early that everybody's figuring stuff out. Yeah. Um, and they're going to have new manufacturers come out this year too. Yeah. So LG uh, just announced that they have a prototype for their HMD, and that's great. That's yeah. a, that's what we need in the Steam VR space. Yeah. HTC. Like the, that's where their price savings will come is with competition between vendors. Well. I don't. I don't think it needs to be price savings, but that's where innovation. That's where the compet- right. That's where you don't have HTC resting on their laurels, because um, the the quote that Gabe talked about is cost reductions is the root of all evil, and what we don't want is the VR fad trying to get cost all the way down by taking things away. Uh, they're happy to develop things that are going to cost more right. and for, to get the best experience, because that's where we eventually need to get to. Yeah, and whether that's for with wireless or high resolution screens. Uh, but wireless is one potential path for VR. And you asked if we had tried TV Cast. There are two wireless companies making accessories uh, for for the Vive. We only tried the TV Cast one at CES. It worked perfectly. Okay. Yeah. Everybody I've known that's used it says it's really, really good. I, I literally cannot wait to try that. But then, according to Oculus, that um, they said it's it's compressed. It's not perfect. Yeah. And you know, it, it's something that both um, Michael Abrash at OC3 talked about how wireless wasn't ready in their roadmap and really I think telegraphing that from their perspective uh, on the desktop side wired was the path going forward and for wireless it was going to be uh, whether a standalone compute solution on a headset like what they had with the Santa Cruz prototype yeah. or with a Gear VR style put a phone into uh, a mobile headset. But um, I thought when you interviewed the TP cast guys they said it wasn't compressed. So I'm. I don't know it enough. Has about, to be compressed. I don't know enough about this 50 gigahertz spectrum to know what kind of bandwidth it is. But I'd be. I'd like that to, was the, to know more. The part that brought up most consternation in that interview. The, the was peop- the compression. The people that I've talked to that have used it said that they saw occasional artifacts, but no latency. It's 100. It has to be filtered somehow for it to be turned into that signal. And so the question is whether one latency, which is the, the most important thing. I would rather have. See, I would rather see artifacts, compression artifacts, sure. than latency. Yeah. Uh, and two, how noticeable that those compression artifacts. In my experience, I could not notice compression, especially with fast turning, because it was yeah. 90 hertz, and also didn't notice any additional latency, yeah. even though the additional 5 millisecond, 10 milliseconds the is like, there. A lot of people are asking for wireless, but they're also asking for higher res, and those two are conflict with one another. So that's what Jason Rubin says yeah. in the latest interview, uh, where he was pushed on why isn't uh, Oculus pursuing wireless when you have these accessories on the on the Vive side. Yeah. And his answer, which is very much the company message, is people don't want more expensive things. Right now, the his answer is people say that VR is too expensive, and that's why they're not adopting it. PC gamers who are happy with their GTX 960s and 970s and playing League of Legends don't want to try VR because it's an additional $600, $800. And that was really telegraphing, I think, the price drop announcement they made yeah. today. And two... Uh, poo-pooing the fact that on the Valve side, they're happy to charge, they're happy to make bleeding-edge hardware, and they know that on the Valve side, there are going to be people willing to spend $1,000 on the latest. Well, and the Valve side is making some really specialized hardware, too. Like, the tracking pucks, most normal people never are going to need a tracking puck. If you're doing mixed reality broadcasting, or if you're doing weird experimental stuff like I'm doing, then the tracking puck is a godsend. I don't I think a lot, I think there's going to be some, like, the Onward community is going to be a major market. 
for that's oh, the, the, the counter strike yeah, yeah. for the tracking pucks. There's going to be some great yeah. rifles that you can buy yep. that Absolutely are fully true. articulated and working. But that's still an enthusiast level thing. That's like Absolutely. that's the equivalent of buying a, a stick and throttle and rudders to play elite. Yeah. Which is why I think it's going to be great. Let's go back to what I said. It's, it, this this kind of division between Oculus and Valve is great for VR enthusiasts like us because we can we can. We can you, you have, have progress. Yeah. We have choices. We have we're happy that developers and hardware makers are pushing innovation on one side, and then we're happy that where there's high end content available today for us to experience VR today on the Oculus side. I I still I still fundamentally worry about setting expectations for people who buy headsets that you're going to see AAA quality games, even if they're shorter experiences. And I worry that 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 is going to really, if the Oculus money dries up, not that I'm suggesting it will, but if Oculus doesn't keep pumping money into this until such a time as the market can actually support that kind of budget on a game, I I really worry that they're hurting the the health of the ecosystem. That is a perfectly valid question to ask. And it is the very question that we asked Oculus on Monday when we went to the Oculus Days event, which is why depth this year is and they're they're very clear that VR is, they're in VR for the long long run. They have yeah. you know as mainstream as they believe VR can be right now, it's a 5 to 10 year thing. They just need that big foothold so that people are going to be using social VR in the Facebook space. Um, but they're they've spent 250 million dollars on software. They're going to spend another 250 million dollars on software. And they said that it's an ongoing thing. They're not going to stop investing I mean, in software. Presumably, they're going to have to keep doing that until they have 10 million headsets that can play Oculus titles, which, makes again, makes me wonder why they haven't opened up their store to other platforms. Yes. Like if, yeah. if, you could, if you could plug your Vive in mm-hmm. to the Oculus platform and play, and there was a Vive, uh, uh, an Oculus API driver for the Vive and whatever other headsets come out, that makes it much faster for them to get to that number that will support the big games. Well, we will see some AAA games this year. I mean, isn't, you can't just throw money at that problem. It also takes time. And the, right. the, the, some of the games that we saw, particularly like Article 1, uh, which just is like from the Metro guys, looks phenomenal. And they've been working on it for two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a normal dev cycle for a big game. Exactly. Yeah. And, they're, they're, and that seems like a, quite a massive game in terms of, of gameplay time, too. So, I mean, it's just taken this long to see that AAA scale your question is is that going to be self-sustaining is there going to be enough headsets are, are they for, going the, to for keep, the market to be able to do my that? question is are they going to keep pumping money in until the market yeah. is big enough to be self-sustaining yeah i hope and I, if they stop then it's going to be bad but yeah. it may be that like the the other question is when do they stop pumping that money in? if the dev cycles three years they could stop now and assuming that the, the market's going to reach that point in, in a shorter time i don't know and a lot of the things we saw on monday that we've seen over the past years i would agree that what we saw last year was very felt very bootstrapped at the you mean launch. launch titles. Launch titles felt very much like they threw money at the wall, and a lot of developers took that money and made things. Yes, exclusive, and a lot of the games were bought exclusives, t- bought timed exclusives. But a lot of the even from the ground up paid for by Oculus. One didn't pay off in time, whereas gamepad games are coming out near the end of the, the way yeah. outside the launch window, like Landfall, uh, and two, maybe just didn't need to be in VR um, and they it was just a exclusive game that was paid for development and I'm happy for developers to get money and experiment they're getting paid to experiment yeah. in VR but it is such a new platform that it's going to be the second generation third generation of these these titles where we're going to see fully fleshed out games that really take advantage of what VR has the offer it doesn't have its killer app yet how how, um, how long are they going to keep making gamepad games you know 
I think they're going to continue. Just like some of their games, they their funding are made for Gear VR because they want to populate that. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to continue funding game gamepad games because uh, as long as they sell SKU separately. But as but I mean, when the when the controllers are a hundred bucks, it's a little bit harder to say, hey, you have to have a game. You have to have controller. It's a little bit easier to say, hey, you have to have touch to play this. Depends game. on the game, right? Uh, while there is there is uh, even parity between gamepad and Oculus Touch buttons, you can yeah. play a game like Ultra Wings with a gamepad, or you can play it with uh, the touch controllers. Uh, there are some simulator games that could work better with a gamepad. Well, so I think it depends no on the No doubt, game. yeah. I, I disagree with you, Norm. I, I think that they're probably going to stop pushing gamepad games this year. Um, it, it seems like every Rift game we saw at the Oculus Day was touch-enabled. If I'm, you know, And you're right, some games play better with... Um, with gamepad, that flight games, for instance, but I think that the cost difference is so small now. Uh, adding the touch onto onto the Rift, and Nate kind of implied that they're still two separate SKUs because that's what everyone has in their stock right now. They're moving towards a, a bundled SKU. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if touch just becomes default. When, when was the last time you played a gamepad? Game. Well, like this, th- what was it? Flight Wings Touch? What, what Ultra it? Wings. Ultra Wings. Also it, Landfall. It plays better with mm-hmm. with yeah. the gamepad. Yeah. Um, there are games that just you know, uh, you know, Blaze Rush. There are games that just play better with the t- with the gamepad. But, but like, they're, they're not going to be the one. There's the Killer App will not be a gamepad game. That kind of tower defense game that came out at the end of the last year. I can't remember what it's called. But Defense Grid. No, 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 no. The the one where you warp around and you can slow down time. It doesn't matter. Mm. That game I would have much rather played if I could have actually aimed the guns instead of using head head aiming. Right. I don't know. We'll Damage see. Core. Damage Core, that's it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other games they funded that are now coming out, um, Robo Recall is out now. Really? It's out. Ooh. And uh, Epic said they spent Oculus spent $10 million funding that. I Dude. I don't doubt that. Just what? Looking at yeah. The art. That's I mean, amazing. Yeah. Of art, now, I don't know. That's unconfirmed. Uh, that That is a rumor. But if it gives you a sense of what these games cost... Because it's a full-blown game, but it's free for Oculus Touch owners. I think this is a huge release. I think this is like going to be... This is the first huge single-player game that is touch-enabled from Oculus that's free. But it's just a wave-based shooter, right? N- I mean, you progress through three different levels. Okay. And three different environments, yep. each with three different... It's uh, all sort of the same levels. city, but it's... Yeah, the, the gameplay is great. It's high score-based, so while the game may not have... You know, it, it might not be a 20-hour game. It's high score-based so that you can go back and replay it and get a higher score, beat your friend's scores, and then if you beat the whole game, you play back on hard mode. Is it as hooky as something like Geometry Wars? I mean, it's got that... You've played it, right? I, I played a, I played it it's for five minutes at Oculus. It's got a real fast gameplay loop, and it's just... It's kinetic as hell, and it has an arcade feel. It's funny, It's and it, the graphics are great, and it's perfect. I mean, it's a great single-player touch game. It's got a comfort rating of comfortable which is kind of surprising because it's that was the first game this past weekend or uh, monday that left me a little queasy because it's so fast you're teleporting Mm -hmm. it's got that does it lerp or does it instant teleport it's instant teleport i want to say do you you have a yeah i know what you mean as i recall it's instant bullet train had lerp it's got this thing where you know you kick the analog stick and then you rotate it to change to choose your the way that you face once you teleport which is a solution to the not 360 yeah, problem, I, I, right? I have a real part time. You're supposed to play feet planted facing forward. Yeah. Uh, they said that they that they mu- want to work towards a 360 solution. Do problem. they not have 360 for that game now? Um, Only in a sense that they don't tell you where the third, uh, what direction is front. Okay. They, they do tell you what direction is front because they they uh, want you to always be facing physically they have the front. Right. Is the carrot on the ground a Steam VR thing or is it an Oculus thing? 
Like the little triangle. That uh, it depends on games. Okay. Uh, but the when you mean lerp, you mean interpolation. So. Um, no lerp, I mean it's a it's yeah. a linear acceleration. Interp- RP, it's short for whatever. interpolation for developers, though. Yeah, you guys mean the same thing. Yeah, we mean the same thing. So this is like a game like Mage Tale, where when you teleport, uh, you have that very short animation, and it's always the same amount of time, but you see the frames where you they're usually jump, like six, jump it's usually fewer than six or seven frames it's 150 milliseconds <laughs> right. is what developers have well, discovered in the case of mages tale right yes yeah so we did a seven millisecond lerp in the first preview of the Fu show last year and found we we did we were we were testing on people experimented on different teleports in the in the first part of the show and the second part of the show even with a sub 150 millisecond some people's like a a high single digit percentage of people reported they felt bad with shorter than with short with a six millisecond leap. Well, that's the thing that I think developers have found. It's weird. Oh, sorry, a six frame, leap, seven, six or seven frame leap. If it's higher than one fifty, then it's too long. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And if it's shorter, then you don't get the benefits of the. So you can see, you could detect that motion is there. Mm-hmm. Um, six it's six milliseconds a frame times I think seven. We did seven or eight frames. I can't remember. Um, we ended up taking it out of one of the first patches because it made people uncomfortable. Hmm. There's no reason to make people uncomfortable. It's a scary thing. Like you, you want to be able, You don't want to make people sick, but you also want to make the most immersing, you know, interesting experience possible. Well, you want them to know where they are. You want them to have have room room mm-hmm. awareness and not be facing the wall. Yeah. So we ended up just like the thing that we did was just do instant teleports and face them toward the most interesting thing in the room. Hmm. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily work in a shooty shooty bang bang game. Yep. Uh, do we want to talk about some of the games that yes. we played at this Oculus event? Yes. Um, we lightly touched on them. The the big game I think is From Other Sons. Yeah, I'm not nuts about the title, Norm. But I'm not not. <laughs> I, they got to change. From Mother Sons. From Other Sons. Yeah. I keep like it's mm. a it's a terrible title. So, gunfire Games. <laughs> change it to something else. We like the game though. Love the game. We kept thinking about it after we played it. So it's a it's a roguelike um, where if you finish the campaign, it's about five hours. Uh, but roguelike meaning permanent death and randomly generated levels. Uh, so three player, potentially multiplayer on on a spaceship sci-fi game. Okay. And you can each man different stations around the spaceship and command your AIs to perform other you know act, you know FTL. Yeah, it's very that much F- FTL based. And is it first person or is it top down? First person. It's first person. Okay. And it has an interesting solution to the comfort. Um, control too. One, you can opt for moving moving through the world, not rotational, but at least you know moving like forward through the world where you float. Yeah, gamepad, okay. well, um, not the, uh, the, uh, the stick. The stick. Thank you. Is, uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, touch enabled. Thumb, thumbstick. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but if you opt uh, into the comfort mode, what you do is as soon as you start moving from you switch from a first person view, your camera stays stationary, and you have a third person view of your character who walks through the world, and you control them. Like, that's that's a that's a good solution. Like Alone in the Dark, yeah. right? Um, and then y- once you stop, you Snap instantly warp to that perspective. And what I like about that is that it solves the problem of moving teleportation breaking the gameplay mechanics because you now actually have to abide by the time it takes to walk someplace. So I've had a lot of conversations this week already with people who have been, everybody's experimenting with movement yeah, and things like the thing that we saw in Lost Echo or Lone Echo. Lone Echo. Lone Echo. Grabbing. Where you don't, where, where you let the player control rotational movement with their head mm. and you do grabbing to do the rest of it. Like people are figuring out a lot of really novel solutions and have really figured out where the edges are on discomfort. And then that's a that's a really good one. I've not seen the that the one problem before. with it though is that if you walk backwards, you can't yeah. see yourself. Yeah. 
because your camera angle doesn't change, doesn't move to the corner of the room real than you do. But you'd think they just do like an isometric top down FTL. That's what thing. I was thinking. Yeah. I was hoping for like warping you to a ca- overhead view. Yeah. But it actually, it just feels like a literal out of body experience where your physical avatar yeah. body just walks in front of you. Game's not done. See, Game's I want done. I want Supreme Commander kind of zoom up. Well, then you need to lerp, back lerp up there. Yeah, lerp up to the sky. But then you give the player too much perspective on the battlefield too. You well, know, that's probably true. But you can fuck a war that. I suppose. Yeah. I would love to see that. I think that could be a great way to adapt a game like Fallout to VR. I'm really interested to see what Bethesda is doing with those two VR ports. Because those RPGs, seen them that I'm aware right, of. a lot, you, you need, you can't cheat the teleport because getting travel you know, time matters. Travel time matters. And yeah. not only travel time, but a field of view for enemies. But you're, they're also designed when you're inside a building where mm-hmm. you need to get to a certain access panel, like, I would love to have that pulling out an RPG to a third person. When you think about that for that for Doom, and how well, how is Doom going to work? Yeah, I don't know how Doom because that needs to be fast paced. Yeah, but they, they, apparently that's going to feel like a different game. I mean, I, I don't. Is that what be, I, I don't know anybody who's played that. I don't think they're playing through the same game levels as the original release. We'll see. Yeah. All right, um, we are running out of time. Uh, there's so much more to talk about. There's a whole other half of GDC that we haven't been to that we're going to have to talk about next week. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the Vibe demos tomorrow when we go back. Uh, but let's quickly jump to what we've been testing. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? It's very Almond Brothers, that one. Yeah, right? You're my blue sky. Yeah. I got some breaking news about Star Trek. Is it out yet? No. It's uh, been delayed it again. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, apparently. I remember we talked about a couple weeks ago that uh, DS9 was never going to be turned to HD. Yeah. Because okay. uh, it was too, the TNG experiment was too expensive. They didn't sell enough TNG Blu-ray discs to make it worthwhile. Yeah. We as fans Say got it. the benefits. It's Say not. It. Sorry. Oh. It's not going to happen, but Adam, Voyager, Adam, and, and Voyager, not definitely not Voyager, because Voyager is the most CG effects that they need to recompose yeah, and redo. Uh, Adam Nimoy, who's directing the, um, he directed the uh, the Spock documentary. Spock documentary. Yeah, yeah, That's right, Spock. based on his father. I backed it. Uh, he revealed that he and former DS9 showrunner Iris Steven Bear are in talks with CBS to acquire the original negatives for select episodes of DS9 so they can rescan them themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's basically that's and all you want. Under like, the Pale Moonlight, Dominion War, select episodes. Yeah. Those those are the two I've seen. Okay. Nothing involving involving that lounge. <laughs> Vic Vic Fontaine? Vic Fontaine, no. Um okay, what have you guys been testing? You guys want to talk about Rec Room? Yeah, well, we all tested this last night. We all played We played the Rec Room Quest. Now, we've been in Rec Room before. Rec Room is a standalone free app for VR users of any of both platforms, Rift or, or Vive, I guess. Is it on PSVR? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm. Um, but it's, it's an excellent app. If you have a VR headset, it's free. you got to check it out. Um, and you jump into what is basically a tiny little metaverse with a bunch of other characters in a dorm room. Um, there's, there's like this lobby area. And then you can form up... Um, parties and go off and play games together. There's been frisbee golf for a while. Yeah. There's a paintball, but they the most recently added game is a quest, and it's a it's an RPG that is you know makes a lot of really smart decisions about how to make a RPG on a very limited budget. 
It's set in a high school. Yeah. Yeah, and there's monsters that shoot things. So you enter you. you enter the theater because it's like, you know, it's like um, <clears throat> a bunch of thespians have put this together for you. And you, you form a, a party of four people, and then uh, you choose a bow or a sword and shield, and then you, um, you progress. And it's permanent. No, it's not permanent death, but if you all die, the game's over. Yeah. Um, and you can revive players if they get hit or, or eaten. You give them a high five, and they come back to life. Uh, and you, you basically, you know, you, you try to get through this game, and it's not easy. We, have, we played it how many times last night? Three, well, we played with five. Will three times. three times, and then before that we were playing another three rounds. And we keep getting farther and farther, but we have not hit the ending yet. Well, it's, it's basically horde mode rules, but you move through the world instead of just waiting for everybody to come at you. But, but it's it, an MMO. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a dungeon It's crawl. a dungeon crawl yeah. through an MMO. I, I don't know. We're a pretty solid team. I think my three-point level last night really it, showcased it's, the, the strength yeah, that you, we all you, have. I, I mean, look, I don't want... It's not worth... Pointing fingers or laying blame, but everybody else had low four figures, and and one person had three points. I just want to make the point that this this game, the, the enemies in this game have ten polygons, and they have two frames of animation, and they roll around the world like Daleks. They dangle on ropes, and they yeah. they come out of the ceiling dangling They're on fun. ropes. It, it, but that that is it's a fun. great decision because it makes it feel like a high school production. When it's not but scary, it, it like it might be low budget, but it is some of the most fun I've had in VR. Period. I yeah. playing a multiplayer experience where we're dying and reviving one another, and you know trying to beat these cardboard bad guys is fantastic. So the funny part about it is, I love the quests and the mini games. The social VR component of Rec Room is not my favorite. Your doorbell just went norm. Yeah, I know. You mean like what happens out in the Like just lobby? hanging out and meeting it's, randos. It's, and stuff. So no. That used to be okay, and it's gotten really bad lately. It did? I thought I thought that it was bad because PSVR, but there's no PSVR version yet. Um, I, I played U UB's Werewolf game a few weeks ago hmm. and had one or two really amazing experiences and then some really, really horrible ones. Because like there were there was one particular player that was like in a room full of people who were really hammered yeah. and they were being increasingly offensive and like that's a game that doesn't work if you're not playing along. Yeah, it's it's a thing so. that any social VR experience is going to need some type of moderation or some type of system that allow you to have these private channels or to play with, you know, it's it's any any multiplayer experience is going to have these same problems and VR we're just skimming the surface. It's of it. not all bad. I have joined Rec Room and Norm and I have gone in just as two. We've teamed up with two other people. And they've been decent. I mean, I, it's, it's never... All it takes is one person to yeah. poison the entire thing. Yep. And uh, I think Eva Hearth, uh, who works at Be Real, maybe, had a good post about how you have to design these... If you're going to build VR social spaces, you have to... Because the impact of negative behavior is so much higher in VR, you have to build them from the ground up to be, to be moderated and safe. There was a panel yesterday where they talked about using machine learning to... to um, to actually measure stress in people's voices because that's a relatively easy thing to do. Hmm. And when you notice that there's two people that are standing next to each other talking, you can then bump them out into a separate space or separate them into different shards of the world or whatever so that, so that those, um, those problems go away. And it gives them like something that the machine can measure that says, oh, Jeremy yells at everybody in this game. He's just a shitbag. <laughs> Put him on the shitbag server. Yep. And then you're forever a shitbag, which is fair. Do I get out of the bag ever? If you stop yelling at people, I guess. <laughs> Maybe when you turn 15. Um, I also, I played Psychonauts, uh, oh, yeah. Rhombus oh. of Ruin. Yes. At least the first two or three hours of it. Uh, if you like Psychonauts, big thumbs up. Is it you, only PSVR? It. it is. 
Okay. Um, but uh, we review that at the end of this week's episode of Projections, which I understand you can find on Tested.com. You can, you can find it on our YouTube channel. Please check that out. Uh, we've gone way over for this week's episode. Uh, I'll, next week, we're going to talk about some new tech gear I've been testing, uh, a new Feutech gimbal. Uh, and also Nintendo Switch comes out end of this week, so I'm sure oh, we'll be talking no. about that. Well, I have one coming. As well. Yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, thank Will. Thanks for coming in. Uh, good luck with the launch of the first episode of Foo. Fingers crossed. Thank People you. People should check that out on Steam VR, or you can go to FooVR.com. Yeah, just search for The Foo Show on Steam, and it pops right up. The Foo Show, and you can find Will at Will Smith on Twitter. You can find Jeremy at Jerware and Kishore at Science Quiche. And what are you? At Norman? At Enchan. Enchan, Enchan, I wish. I wish. At Enchan on Twitter. Um, This week's outro is made by... Justin, a.k.a. Speed. He's prolific. Hi there. I didn't see you. Must be the speed. Did you read about Elon Musk and his shovel? No. Shovel? He's got a shovel, and he's digging. That's it.